Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and In these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast we have so much content happening right now um but you're here for corona cold reads for shakespeare um so these are cold reads for the most part uh, our actors did not have more than a day maybe two if they're lucky um to look over the text if they wanted to most of them didn't have the chance to so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So carrying on from our last episode, uh, this, which was Julius Caesar, this reading is Antony and Cleopatra, which is a sequel to Julius Caesar. There are um, three characters carry over from that reading, and we have the same actors playing them in both in both plays. So I do recommend going back and listening to Julius Caesar if you missed it. Um, but Antony and Cleopatra does also stand on its own. Um, so if you're just interested in Egypt, by all means, jump right in there. Um, our Mark Antony, re- uh, recurring from Julius Caesar, is Christopher Prentice. And here he's been paired with Gabby Grice, who is, honestly, she was born to play Cleopatra. Like, she's just this, like, regal sass master of, like, Middle Eastern heritage. And she's just this, like, epic, beautiful creature who was born to be queen and born to sass Christopher Prentice. Um, which you'll hear a lot of in this play. It's pretty delightful. It's a very weird play. The structure of it is very strange. Um, one of the acts has like 15 scenes in it. It's it's a it's a weird it's a weird one. Very weird one. Um, it's also a very sexual play. A lot of wordplay. A lot of dirty jokes. Weird one. Just a weird one. But it's worth it for Gabby Grace as Cleopatra.
I hope you enjoy. Nay, but this dotage of our generals o'erflows the measure. Those his goodly eyes that o'er the flies and musters of the war have glowed like plated Mars, now bend, now turn the office and devotion of their view upon a tawny front. His captain's heart, which in the scuffles of great fights hath burst the buckles on his breast, reneges all temper, and is become the bellows and the fan to cool a gypsy's lust. Flourish, enter Antony, Cleopatra, her ladies, the train, with eunuchs fanning her. Look where they come. Take but good note, and you shall see in him the triple pillar of the world transformed into a strumpet's fool. Behold, and see. If it be love indeed, tell me how much. There's beggary and a love that can be reckoned. I'll set a born how far to be beloved. Then must thou needs find out new heaven, new earth. Enter an attendant. News, my good lord, from Rome. Grates me the sum. Nay, hear them, Antony. Full the upper chance is angry, or who knows if the scarce-bearded Caesar have not sent his powerful mandate to you. Do this or this. Take in that kingdom and enfranchise that. Perform it, or else we damn thee. How, my love? Perchance, nay, and most like. You must not stay here longer. Your dismission is come from Caesar, therefore hear it, Antony. Where's Fulvia's process? Caesar's, I would say. Both? Call in the messengers. As I am Egypt's queen, thou blushest, Antony, and that blood of thine, Caesar's homager. Else so thy cheek pays shame when shrill-tongued Fulvia scolds. The messengers! Let Rome in Tiber melt, and the wide arch of the ranged empire fall. Here is my space. Kingdoms are clay. Our dungy earth alike feeds beast as man. The nobleness of life is to do thus, when such a mutual pair, and such a twain can do it, in which I bind on pain of punishment the world to wheat, we stand up peerless. Excellent falsehood. Why did he marry Fulvia and not love her? I'll seem the fool I am not. Antony will be himself. But stirred by Cleopatra. Now, for the love of love and her soft hours, let's not confound the time with conference harsh. There's not a minute of our lives should stretch without some pleasure now. What sport tonight? Hear the ambassadors. The fie wrangling queen. Whom everything becomes to chide, to laugh, to weep, whose every passion fully strives to make itself in thee fair and admired, no messenger but thine. And all alone tonight we'll wander through the streets and note the qualities of people. Come, my queen, last night you did desire it. Speak not to us. Exit Mark Antony and Cleopatra with their train. Is Caesar with Antonius prize so slight? Oh, sir, sometimes when he is not Antony, he comes too short of that great property which still should go with Antony. I am full sorry that he approves the common liar who thus speaks of him at Rome, but I will hope of better deeds tomorrow. Rest you happy. Exent. Scene two, the same, another room. Enter Charmian, Iris, Alexis, and a soothsayer. Lord Alexis, Sweet Alexis, 
most anything Alexis, most, almost most absolute Alexis. Where's the soothsayer that you praised so to the queen? Oh, that I knew this husband, which you say must charge his horns with garlands. Soothsayer. Your will. Is this the man? Is it you, sir, who knows things? In nature's infinite book of secrecy, a little I can read. Show him your hand. Enter Demetus Inubarbus. Bring in the banquet quickly. Wine enough. Cleopatra's health to drink. Good sir. Give me good fortune. I make not, but foresee. Pray then, foresee me one. You shall be yet far fairer than you are. He means in flesh. No, you shall paint when you are old. Wrinkles forbid. Vex not his prescience, be attentive. Hush. You shall be more beloving than beloved. I'd rather heat my liver with drinking. Nay, hear him. Oh, good now, some excellent fortune. Let me be married to three kings in a forenoon and widow them all. Let me have a child at fifty to whom Herod of Jewry may do homage. Mm, find me to marry with Octavius Caesar and companion me with my mistress. You shall outlive the lady who you serve. Oh, excellent. I love long life better than figs. You have seen and proved a fairer former fortune than that which is to approach. Then be like my children shall have no names. Prithee, how many boys and how many wenches must I have? If every of your wishes had a womb and fertile every wish, a million. Fool, I forgive thee for a witch. You think none but your sheets are privy to your wishes. Nay, come tell, uh, come tell Iris hers. We'll know all our fortunes. Mine and most of our fortunes tonight shall be drunk to bed. There's a palm presages chastity, if nothing else. Even as overflowing Nihilus presages famine. Go, you wild bedfellow, you cannot soothsay. Nay, if an oily palm be not fruitful prognostication, I cannot scratch mine ear. Prithee, tell her but a worky day fortune. Your fortunes are alike. But how? But how? Give me particulars. I have said. Am I not an inch of fortune better than she? Well, if you were but an inch of fortune better than I, where would you choose it? Not in my husband's nose. <laughs> Our worst of thoughts heaven meant. Alexis, come, his fortune, his fortune. Oh, let him marry a woman that cannot go. Sweet Iris, I beseech thee, and let her die too, and give him a worse. And let worse follow worse, till the worst of all follow him laughing to his grave, fifty-fold a cuckold. <laughs> but Iris, hear me this prayer, though thou deny me a matter of more weight. But Isis, I beseech thee. Amen. Dear goddess, hear that prayer of the people, for as it is a heartbreaking to see a handsome man loose-wived, so it is a deadly sorrow to behold a foul knave uncuckolded. Therefore, dear Isis, keep decorum and fortune him accordingly. Amen. Lo now, and if it lay in their hands to make me a cuckold, they would make themselves whores, but they'll to do it. Hush, here comes Antony. 
Not he, the queen. Enter Cleopatra. Saw you, my lord? No, lady. Was he not here? No, madam. He was disposed to mirth, but on the sudden a Roman thought hath struck him. Enobarbus. Madam. Seek him and bring him hither. Where's Alexis? Here at your service. My lord approaches. We will not look upon him. Go with us. Exunt. Enter Mark Anthony with a messenger and attendants. Fulvia, thy wife first came into the field. Against my brother Lucius? Aye, but soon that war had end, and the time state made friends of them joining their forces against Caesar, whose better issue in the war from Italy upon the first encounter drave them. Well, what worst? The nature of bad news infects the teller. When it concerns the fool or coward, on. Things that are past are done with me. Tis thus, who tells me true, though in his tale lie death, I hear him as he flattered. Labionis, this is stiff news, uh, hath with his Parthian forces extended Asia from Euphrates, his conquering banner shook from Syria to Lydia and to Ionia, whilst... Antony, thou wouldst say? Oh, my lord. Speak to me home. Mince not the general tongue. Name Cleopatra, she is called in Rome. Rail thou in Fulvia's phrase, and taunt my faults with such full license as both truth and malice have power to utter. Oh, then we bring forth weeds when our quick minds lie still, and our ills told us is as our earring. Fare thee well a while. At your noble pleasure. Exit. From Sicyon, ho, oh, the news. Speak there. <clears throat> the man from uh, Sicyon, is there such a one? He stays upon your will. Let him appear. These strong Egyptian fetters I must break or lose myself in dotage. Enter another messenger. What are you? Fulvia, thy wife, is dead. Where died she? In Sicyon. Her length of sickness with what else more serious important importeth thee to know. This bears. Gives a letter. Forbear me. Exit second messenger. There is a great spirit gone. Thus I did desire it. What our contempt <clears throat> doth often hurl from us, we wish it ours again. This present pleasure by revolution lowering does become the opposite of itself. She's good being gone. The hand could pluck her back that shoved her on. I must from this enchanting queen break off. Ten thousand harms more than ills I know my idleness to hatch. How now, Inabarbus? Re-enter Demetrius Inabarbus. What's your pleasure, sir? I must with haste from hence. Why then, we kill all our women. We see how mortal an unkindness is to them. If they suffer our departure, death's the word. I must be gone. Under a compelling occasion, let women die. It were pity to cast them away for nothing, though between 
them and a great cause, they should be esteemed nothing. <laughs> Cleopatra, catching but the least noise of this, dies instantly. I have seen her die twenty times upon far poorer moments. I do think there is metal in death, which commits some loving act upon her. She hath such a celerity in dying. She is cunning past man's thought. Alack, sir, no. Her passions are made of nothing but the finest part of pure love. We cannot call her winds and waters, sighs and tears. They are greater storms and tempests than almanacs can report. This cannot be cunning in her. If it be, she makes a shower of rain as well as Jove. Would I had never seen her. Oh, sir, you had then left unseen a wonderful piece of work, which not to have been blessed with all would have discredited your travel. Fulvia is dead. Sir? Fulvia is dead. Fulvia? Dead. Why, sir, give the gods a thankful sacrifice. When it pleaseth their deities to take the wife of a man from him, it shows to man the tailors of the earth, comforting therein that when old robes are worn out, there are members to make new. If there were no more women but Fulvia, then had you indeed a cot and the case to be lamented, this grief is crowned with consolation. Your old smock brings forth a new petticoat, and indeed the tears live in an onion that should water this sorrow. The business she hath broached to the state cannot endure my absence. And the business you have broached here cannot be without you especially that of Cleopatra's, which wholly depends on your abode. No more light answers. Let our officers have notice what we purpose. I shall break the cause of our expedience to the queen and get her leave to part. For not alone the death of Fulvia, with more urgent touches, do strongly speak to us. But the letters, too, of many our contriving friends in Rome petition us at home. Sextus Pompeius hath given the dare to Caesar and commands the empire of the sea. Our slippery people, whose love is never linked to the deserver till his deserts are past, begin to throw Pompey the Great and all his dignitaries upon his son, who, high in name and power, higher than both in blood and life, stands up for the main soldier, whose quality going on the sides of the world may danger. Much is breeding which, like the courser's hair, hath yet but life, and not a serpent's poison. Say, our pleasure to such whose place is under us requires our quick remove from hence. I shall do it. Exunt. Scene three, the same, another room. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Alexis. Where is he? I did not see him since. See where he is, who's with him, what he does. I did not send you. If you find him, say I am dancing. If in mirth, report that I am sudden sick. Quick, and return. Exit Alexis. Madam, methinks if you did love him dearly, you do not hold the method to enforce the like from him. What should I do I do not? In each thing, give him way, cross him nothing. Thou teachest like a fool, the way to lose him. Tempt him not too far, I wish, forbear. In time, we hate that which we often fear. Oh, but here comes Antony. Enter Mark Antony. I am sick and sullen. 
I am sorry to give breathing to my purpose. Help me away, dear Charmian. I shall fall. It cannot be thus long. The sides of nature will not sustain it. Now, my dearest queen. Pray you, stand further from me. What's the matter? I know by that same eye there's some good news. What says the married woman? You may go. Would she had never given you leave to come? Let her not say tis I that keep you here. I have no power upon you. Hers you are. The gods best know. Oh, never was their queen so mightily betrayed. Yet at the first I saw the reason planted. Cleopatra. Why should I think you can be mine and true, though you in swearing shake the throned gods who have been false to Fulvia? Riotous madness, to be entangled with those mouth-made vows which break themselves in swearing. My most sweet queen. Nay, pray you, seek no color for your going, but bid farewell and go. When you sued staying, then was the time for words. No going then. Eternity was in our lips and eyes, bliss in our brows bent. None our parts so poor, but was a race of heaven. They are so still, or thou, the greatest soldier of the world, are turned the greatest liar. How now, lady? I would I had thy inches. Thou shouldst know there were a heart in Egypt. Hear me, queen. The strong necessity of time commands our services a while. But my full heart remains in use with you. Our Italy shines o'er with civil swords. Sextus Pompeius makes his approaches to the port of Rome. Equality of two domestic powers greed, scrupulous faction. The hated, grown to strength, are newly grown to love. The condemned Pompey, rich in his father's honor, creeps apace into the hearts of such as have not thrived under the present state whose numbers threaten and quietness, grown sick of rest, would purge by any desperate change. My more particular, and that which most with you should safe my going, is Fulvia's death. Though age from folly could not give me freedom, it does from childishness. Can Fulvia die? She's dead, my queen. Look, here. And at thy sovereign leisure, read the garboil she awaked. At the last, best, see when and where she died. Oh, most false love! Where be the sacred vials thou shouldst fill with sorrowful water? Now I see, I see, in Fulvia's death how mine received shall be. Quarrel no more. But be prepared to know the purposes I bear, which are, or cease, as you shall give the advice. By the fire that quickens Nihilus' slime, I go from hence thy soldier, servant, making peace or war as thou affectst. Cut my lace, Charmian, come. But, uh, let it be. My precious queen, forbear, and give true evidence to his love which stands an honorable trial. So Fulvia told me. I prithee turn aside and weep for her, then bid adieu to me and say the tears belong to Egypt. Good now, play one scene of excellent dissembling and let it look 
life, perfect honor. You'll heat my blood. No more. You can do better yet, but this is Meatly. Now, by my sword. And Target, still he mends. But this is not the best. Look, pretty Charmian, how this Herculean Roman does become the carriage of his chafe. I'll leave you, lady. Courteous lord, one word. Sir, you and I must part, but that's not it. Sir, you and I have loved, but there's not it. That you know well. Something it is I would. Oh. My oblivion is a very Antony, and I am all forgotten. But that your royalty holds idleness your subject, I should take you for idleness itself. Tis sweating labor to bear such idleness so near the heart as Cleopatra this. But, sir, forgive me. Since my becomings kill me when they do not eye well to you, your honor calls you hence. Therefore... Be deaf to my unpitied folly, and all the gods go with you. Upon your sword sit laurel victory, and smooth success be strewed before your feet. Let us go. Come. Our separation so abides and flies that thou, residing here, goes yet with me, and I, hence fleeting, here remain with thee. Away. Exent. Scene four, Rome, Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Octavius Caesar reading a letter, Lepidus and their train. Let me see, Lepidus, and henceforth know, it is not Caesar's natural vice to hate our great competitor. From Alexandria, this is the news. He fishes, drinks, and wastes the lamps of night in revel is not more manlike than Cleopatra, nor the Queen of Ptolemy more womanly than he, hardly gave audience, or vouchsafed to think he had partners. You shall find there a man who is the abstract of all faults that all men follow. I must not think there are evils enow to darken all his goodness. His faults in him seem as the spots of heaven, more fiery by night's blackness, hereditary rather than purchased, what he cannot change than what he chooses. You are too indulgent. Let us grant, it is not amiss to tumble on the bed of Ptolemy, to give a kingdom for a mirth, to sit and keep the turn of tippling with a slave, to reel the streets at noon and stand the buffet with knaves that smell of sweat. See, this becomes him, as, this, as his composure must be rare indeed, whom these things cannot blemish, yet must Antony no way excuse his soils when we do bear so great weight in his lightness. If he filled his vacancy with his voluptuousness, full surfeits, and the dryness of his bones, call on him for it. But to confound such time that drums him from his sport and speaks as loud as his own state and ours, tis to be chid. As we rate boys who, being mature in knowledge, pawn their experience to their present pleasure, and so rebel to judgment. Enter a messenger. Here's more news. Thy biddings have been done, and every hour, most noble Caesar, shall thou have report how tis abroad. Pompey is strong at sea, and appears he is beloved of those that only have feared Caesar. To the ports the discontents repair, and men's reports give him much wronged. 
I should have known no less. It had been taught us from the primal state that he which is was wished until he were. And the ebbed man, ne'er loved till ne'er worth love, comes deared by being lacked. This common body, like to a vagabond flag upon the stream, goes to and back, lackeying the varying tide to rot itself with motion. Caesar, I bring thee word, Menocrates and Menas, famous pirates, make the sea serve them, which they ear and wound with keels of every kind. Many hot inroads they make in, Hit they make in Italy. The borders maritime lack blood to think on it, and flush youth revolt. No vessel can peep forth, but tis as soon taken as seen, for Pompey's name strikes more than could his war resisted. Antony, leave thy lascivious wassails. When thou once was beaten from Modena, where thou slewest Perseus and Panza, consults, at thy heel did famine follow, whom thou foughtst against, though daintily brought up, with patience more than savages could suffer. Thou didst drink the stale of horses and the gilded puddle which beasts would cough at. Thy palate then did deign the roughest berry on the rudest hedge. Yea, like the stag, when snow the pasture sheets, the barks of trees thou browsedst. On the Alps it is reported thou didst eat strange flesh, which some did die to look upon. And all this, it wounds thy honor that I speak it so, was born so like a soldier, that thy cheek so much as lanked not. Tis pity of him. Let his shames quickly drive him to Rome. Tis time we twain did show ourselves in a field. That to that end assemble we immediate council. Pompey thrives in our idleness. Tomorrow, Caesar, I shall be furnished to inform you rightly, both what by sea and land I can be able to front this present time. For which encounter it is my business too. Farewell. Farewell, my lord. What you shall know meantime of stirs abroad, I shall beseech you, sir, to let me be partaker. Doubt not, sir. I knew it for my bond. Exeunt. Scene five, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Mardian. Charmian! Madam? Ha! Ha! Give me to drink, Mandragora! Why, madam? That I might sleep out this great gap of time. My Antony is away. <sighs> you think too much of him. You think of oh. him too much. Oh, tis treason. Madam, I trust not so. Thou, eunuch Mardian. What's your highness's pleasure? Mm, not now to hear thee sing. I take no pleasure in aught a eunuch has. Tis well for thee that being unseminared, thy freer thoughts may not fly forth of Egypt. Hast thou affections? Yes, gracious madam. Indeed. Not indeed, madam, for I can do nothing. But what indeed is honest to be done? Yet I have fierce affections and think what Venus did with Mars. Oh, Charmian. Where thinks thou he is now? Stands he or sits he? Or does he walk? 
Or is he on his horse? Oh, happy horse, to bear the weight of Antony. Do bravely, horse, for what's thou whom thou movest? The demi-atlas of this earth, the arm and burgeonet of men. He's speaking now, or murmuring, where's my serpent of old Nile, for so he calls me. Now I feed myself with most delicious poison. Think on me, that am with Phoebus amorous pinches black and wrinkled deep in time. Broad-fronted broad Caesar, when thou wast here above the ground, I was a morsel for a monarch. And great Pompey would stand and make his eyes grow in my brow. There would he anchor his aspect and die with looking on his life. Enter Alexis from Octavius Caesar. Sovereign of Egypt, hail. Ah, how much unlike art thou, Mark Antony? Yet coming from him that great medicine hath with his tinct gilded thee. How goes it with my brave Mark Antony? Last thing he did, dear queen, he kissed the last of many doubled kisses. This orient pearl, his speech sticks in my heart. Mine ear must pluck it sense. Good friend, quoth he. Say the firm Roman to great Egypt sends this treasure of an oyster at whose foot to mend the petty present, I will peace her opulent throne with kingdoms. All the East, say thou, shall call her mistress. So he nodded and soberly did mount an armgaunt steed who neighed so high that I would have spoke was beastly dumbed by him. What, was he sad or merry? Like to the time of the year, between the extremes of hot and cold, he was nor sad nor merry. Oh, well-divided disposition. Note him. Note him, good Charmian. Tis the man, but note him. He was not sad, for he would shine on those that make their looks by his. What He was not merry, which seemed to tell them his remembrance lay in Egypt with his joy. But between both. Oh, heavenly mingle. Beest thou sad or merry, the violence of either thee becomes, so does it no man else. Metst thou my posts? I, madam, twenty several messengers. Why do you send so thick? Who's born that day when I forget to send to Antony shall die a beggar? Ink and paper, Charmian. Welcome, my good Alexis. Did I, Charmian, ever love Caesar so? Oh, that brave Caesar. Be choked with such another emphasis. Say the brave Antony. The valiant Caesar. By Isis, I will give thee bloody teeth if thou with Caesar paragon again, my men of men. By your most gracious pardon, I sing but after you. My salad days, when I was green in judgment, cold in blood, to say as I said then. But come away, get me ink and paper. He shall have every day a several greeting, or I'll unpeople Egypt. Sent. Act two, scene one, Messina, Pompey's house. Enter Pompey, Menacrates, and Minas in warlike manner. If the great gods be just, they shall assist the deeds of justice men. Know, worthy Pompey, that what they do delay, they not deny. Whilst we are suitors to their throne, decay is the thing we sue for. We, ignorant of ourselves, beg often our own harms, which the wise powers deny us for our good. So find we profit by losing of our prayers. Mm, I shall do well. The people love me, and the sea is mine. 
My powers are crescent, and my augering hope says it will come to the full. Mark Antony in Egypt sits at dinner and will make no wars without doors. Caesar gets money where he loses hearts. Lepidus flatters both. Of both is flattered, but he neither loves nor either cares for him. Caesar and Lepidus are in the field, and mighty strength they carry. Where have you this? It is false. From Silvia, sir. Ha! He dreams. I know they are in Rome, together, looking for Antony. But all the charms of love, salt, Cleopatra, soften thy waned lip. Let with witchcraft join with beauty, lust with both. Tie up the libertine in a field of feasts, keep his brain fuming. Epicurean cooks sharpen with cloyless sauce his appetite, that sleep and feeding may prorogue his honor, even to the left dullness. Enter Various. How now, Various? This is most certain that I shall deliver. Mark Antony is every hour in Rome expected. Since he went from Egypt, tis a space for farther travel. Hmm. I could have given less matter a better ear. Menace, I did not think this, this amorous surf, surfeiter would have donned his helm for such a petty war. His soldiership is twice the other twain. But let us rear the higher our opinion, that our stirring can from the lap of Egypt's widow pluck the narrow-lust weird Antony. I cannot hope Caesar and Antony shall well greet together. His wife that's dead did trespass to Caesar, his brother warred upon him, although I think not moved by Antony. Hmm. I know not, Venice, how lesser enmities may give way to greater. Were it not that we stand up against them all, twere pregnant they should swear between themselves. For they have entertained cause enough to draw their swords. But how the fear of us may cement their divisions and bind up the petty difference, we yet not know. Be it as our gods will have it. It only stands our lives upon to use our strongest hands. Come, Minas. Exunt, scene two, Rome, the house of Lepidus, entered Enobarbus and Lepidus. Good Enobarbus, tis a worthy deed, and shall become you well to entreat your captain to soft and gentle speech. I shall entreat him to answer like himself. If Caesar move him, let Antony look over Caesar's head and speak as loud as Mars. By Jupiter, were I the wearer of Antonius's beard, I would not shave today. Tis not a time for private stomaching. Every time serves for the matter that is then born in it. But small to greater matters must give way. Not if the small come first. Your speech is passion. But pray you stir no embers up. Here comes the noble Antony. Enter Mark Antony and Ventidius. And yonder Caesar. Enter Octavius Caesar, Messenus, and Agrippa. If we compose well here to Parthia. Hark, Ventidius. I do not know, Messenus, ask Agrippa. Noble friends, that which combined us was most great, and let not a leaner action rend us. What's amiss may it be gently heard? When we debate our trivial difference loud, we do commit murder in healing wounds. Then, noble partners, the rather for I earnestly beseech, touch you the sourest points with sweetest terms nor curseness grow to the matter. Tis well spoken. Were we before our enemies and to fight, I should do thus. 
flourish. Welcome to Rome. Thank you. Sit. Sit, sir. May then. I learn you take things ill which are not so, or being concern you not. I must be laughed at if, or for nothing or a little, I should say myself offended, and with you chiefly of the world. More laughed at that I should once name you derogate, once name you derogately, when to sound your name it not concerned me. My being in Egypt, Caesar, what was to you? No more than my residing here at Rome might be to you in Egypt. Yet if you there did practice on my state, your being in Egypt might be my question. How intend you practiced? You may be pleased to catch at my intent, but what did here befall me? Your wife and brother made wars upon me? And their, con and their contestation was theme for you. You were the word of war. You do mistake your business. My brother never did urge me in this act. I did inquire it and have my learning from some true reports that drew their swords with you. Did he not rather discredit my authority with yours and make the wars alike against my stomach, having alike your cause? Of this my letters before did satisfy you. If you'll patch a quarrel as matter whole you have not to make it with, it must not be with this. You praise yourself by laying defects of judgment to me, but you patched up your excuses. Not so, not so. I know you could not lack, I am certain not. Very necessity of this thought that I, your partner in the cause against which he fought, could not with graceful eyes attend those wars which fronted mine own peace. As for my wife, I would you had her spirit in such another. The third of the world is yours, which with a snaffle you may pace easy, but not such a wife. When we had all such wives that the men might go to wars with the women, so much uncurable her garboils, Caesar, made out of her impatience, which not wanted shrewdness of policy too, I grieving grant did you too much disquiet. For that you must but say, I could not help it. I wrote to you in rioting in Alexandria. You did pocket up my letters, and with taunts did jibe my missive out of audience. Sir, he fell upon me ere admitted. Then three kings I had newly feasted, and did want of what I was of the morning. But the next day I told him of myself, which was as much as to have asked him pardon. Let this fellow be nothing of our strife, if we contend out of our question, wipe him. You have broken the article of your oath, which you shall never have tongue to charge me with. Soft, Caesar. No, Lepidus, let him speak. The honor is sacred, which he talks on now, supposing that I lacked it. But on, Caesar, the article of my oath. To lend me arms and aid when I required them, which you both denied. Neglected, rather. And then, when poisoned hours had bound me up from my own knowledge, as nearly as I may, I'll play the penitent to you. But mine honesty shall not make poor my greatness, <laughs> nor my power work without it. Truth is that Fulvia, to have me out of Egypt, made wars here, for which myself, the ignorant motive, do so far ask pardon as befits mine honor to stoop in such a case. Tis noble spoken. It might please you to enforce no further the griefs between ye, to forget them quite, were to remember that the present need speaks to atone ye. 
worthily spoken, Mechanus? Or, if you borrow one another's love for the instant, you may, when you hear no more words of Pompey, return it again. You shall have time to wrangle in when you have nothing else to do. Thou art a soldier only. Speak no more. That truth should be silent. I had almost forgot. You wrong this presence. Therefore, speak no more. Go to, then, your considerate stone. I do not much dislike the matter, but the manner of his speech. For it cannot be we shall remain in friendship, our condition so differing in their acts. Yet, if I knew what hoop could hold us stanch from edge to edge of the world, I would pursue it. Give me leave, Caesar. Speak, Agrippa. Thou hast a sister by the mother's side, admired Octavia. Great Mark Antony is now a widower. Oh, shh, say not so, Agrippa. If Cleopatra heard you, your reproof were well-deserved of rashness. I am not married, Caesar. Let me hear Agrippa further speak. To hold you in perpetual amity, to make you brothers, and to knit your hearts with an unslipping knot, take Antony Octavia to his wife, whose beauty claims no worse a husband than the best of men, whose virtue and whose general graces speak that which none else can utter. By this marriage, all little jealousies, which now seem great, and all great fears, which now import their dangers, would then be nothing. Truths would be tales, where now half-tales be truths. Her love to both would, each to other, and all loves to both draw after her. Pardon what I have spoke, for it is a study, not a present thought, but duty ruminated. Will Caesar speak? Not till he hears how Antony is touched with what is spoke already. What power is in Agrippa, if I would say, Agrippa, be it so, to make this good? The power of Caesar and his power unto Octavia. May I never to this good purpose that so fairly shows dream of impediment. Let me have thy hand. Further, this act of grace, and from this hour the heart of brothers govern our lives and sway our great designs. There is my hand. A sister I bequeath you, whom no brother did ever love so dearly. Let her live to join our kingdoms and our hearts and never fly off our loves again. Happily. Amen. I did not think to draw my sword against Pompey, for he hath laid strange courtesies and great of late upon me. I must thank him only, lest my, resem- my remembrance suffer ill report, but heal of that, defy him. Time calls upon us. Of us must Pompey presently be sought, or else he seeks out us. Where lies he? About the Mount Mycenaeum. What is his strength by land? Great and increasing, but by sea, he is an absolute master. So is the fame. Would we had spoke together. Haste we for it. Yet, ere we put ourselves in arms, dispatch we the business we have talked of. With most gladness, and to invite you to my sister's view, whither straight I'll lead you. Uh, let us, Lepidus, not lack your company. Noble Antony, 
not sickness should detain me. Flourish, exempt Octavius, Caesar, Mark Antony, and Lepidus. Welcome from Egypt, sir. Half the heart of Caesar, worthy Mycenaeus, my honorable friend Agrippa. Good Inovarvus. You've cause to be glad that matters are so well digested. You stayed well by it in Egypt. Aye, sir, we did sleep day out of countenance and made the night light with drinking. Eight wild boars roasted whole at a breakfast, and but twelve persons there? Is this true? This was but as a fly by an eagle. We had much more monstrous matter of feast, which worthily deserved noting. She's a most triumphant of lady, if report be square to her. When she first met Mark Antony, she pursed up his heart upon the river of Sidness. There she appeared indeed, or my reporter devised well for her. I will tell you. The barge she sat in, like a burnished throne, burned on the water. The poop was beaten gold, purple the sails, and so perfumed that the winds were lovesick with The oars were silver, which the tune of flutes kept stroke, and made the water which they beat to follow faster, as amorous of their strokes. For her own person, it beggared all description. She did lie in her pavilion, cloth of gold of tissue, or picturing that Venus where we see the fancy outwork nature on each side, her stood pretty dimpled boys like smiling cupids with diverse colored fans whose wind did seem to glow the delicate cheeks which they did cool, and what they undid, did. Oh, rare for Antony. Her gentlewoman, like the Nereids, so many mermaids tended her the eyes and made their bends adornings at the helm, a seeming mermaid steers. The silken tackles swell with the touches of those flower-soft hands that yearly frame the office. From the barge, a strange invisible perfume hits the sense of the adjacent wharfs. The city cast her people out upon her, and Antony, enthroned in the marketplace, did sit alone, whistling to the air, which but for vacancy had gone to gaze on Cleopatra too, and made a gap in nature. Rare Egyptian. Upon her landing, Antony sent to her, invited her to supper. She replied, it should be better he became her guest, which she entreated our courteous Antony, whom ne'er the word of no woman heard speak, (laughs) being barbered 10 times over, goes to the feast, and for his ordinary pays his heart for what his eyes eat only. Royal wench, she made great Caesar lay his sword to bed. He plowed her and she cropped. I saw her once, hop 40 paces through the public street, and having lost her breath, she spoke and panted that she did make defect perfection and breathless power breathe forth. Now Antony must leave her utterly. (laughs) Never, he will not. Age cannot wither her, nor custom stale her infinite variety. Other women cloy the appetites they feed, but she makes hungry where most she satisfies. For vilest things become themselves in her, that the holy priests bless her when she is British. Beauty, wisdom, modesty can settle the heart of Antony. Octavia is a blessed lottery to him. 
Let us go. Good, Eno Barbas. Make yourself my guest whilst you abide here. Humbly, sir, I thank you. Excellent. Scene three, the same. Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Mark Antony, Octavius Caesar, Octavia between the world and my great office will sometimes divide me from your bosom. Oh, which time before the gods my niece shall bow my prayers to them for you. Good night, sir. My Octavia, read not my blemishes in the world's report. I have not kept my square, but that to come shall all be done by the rule. Good night, dear lady. Good night, sir. Good night. Exent Octavius Caesar and Octavia. Enter soothsayer. Now, Sarah, you do wish yourself in Egypt? Would I had never come from thence, nor you thither. If you can, your reason. I see it in my motion, have it not in my tongue, but yet hie you to Egypt again. Say to me, whose fortune shall rise higher, Caesar's or mine? Caesar's? Therefore, O Antony, stay not by his side. Thy demon, that's thy spirit which keeps thee, is noble, courageous, high, unmatchable, where Caesar's is not. But near him, thy angel becomes a fear, as being o'erpowered. Therefore, make space enough between you. Speak this no more. To none but thee, no more but when to thee. If thou dost play with him at any game, thou art sure to lose. And of that natural luck, he beats thee against the odds. Thy luster thickens when he shines by. I say again, thy spirit is all afraid to govern thee near him. But he away, tis noble. Get thee gone. Say to Ventidius I would speak with him. And exit soothsayer. He shall to Parthia. Be it art or hap, he hath spoken true. The very dice obey him, and in our sports my better cunning faints under his chance. If we draw lots, he speeds. His cocks do win the battle still of mine. When it is all to naught, and his quails ever beat mine in hooped at odds, I will to Egypt. And though I make this marriage for my peace, in the east my pleasure lies. Enter Ventidius. Oh, come, Ventidius. You must to Parthia. Your commission's ready. Follow me and receive. Exeunt. Scene four, the same. A street. Enter Lepidus, Messinus, and Agrippa. Trouble yourselves no further. Pray you hasten your generals after. Sir, Mark Antony will e'en but kiss Octavia, and will follow. Till I shall see you in your soldier's dress, which will become you both. Farewell. We shall, as I conceive the journey, be at the mount before you, Leptis. Your way is shorter. My purposes do draw me much about. You'll win two days upon me. Sir, good success. Farewell. Exeunt. Scene five, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Alexis. Give me some music. Music, moody food of us that trade in love. Music, ho! Enter Mardian. Oh, and let it alone. Let's to billiards. Come, Charmian. My arm is sore. Let's play with Mardian. As well a woman with a eunuch played as with a woman. Come, you'll play with me, sir? 
As well as I can, madam. And when goodwill is showed, though it come too short, the actor may plead pardon. I'll none now. Give me mine angle. Will to the river. There, my music playing far off, I will betray tawny finned fishes. My bended hook shall pierce their slimy jaws, and as I draw them up, I'll think them every one in Antony and say, Aha! You're caught! Twas merry when you wagered on your angling, when your diver did, did hang a saltfish on his hook, which you with fervency drew up. That time, oh, times. I laughed him out of patience, and that night I laughed him into patience. And next morn, ere the ninth hour, I drunk him to his bed, then put my tires and mantles on him whilst I wore his sword Philippin. Enter a messenger. Oh, from Italy. Ram thou thy fruitful tidings in mine ears that long time have been barren. Madam, madam. Antonius dead? If thou say so, villain, thou killst thy mistress. But well and free, if thou so yield him, there is gold. And here, my bluest veins to kiss, a hand that kings have lipped and trembled kissing. First, madam, he is well. Why, there's more gold. But, Sir Mark, we used to say the dead are well. Bring it to that, the gold I give thee will melt and pour down thy ill-uttering throat. But, madam, hear me. Well, go to. I will. But there's no goodness in thy face. If Antony be free and healthful, so tart a favor to trumpet such good tidings. If not well, thou shouldst come like a fury crowned with snakes, not like a formal man. Will it please you hear me? I have a mind to strike thee ere thou speakest. Yet if thou say Antony lives, is well, or friends with Caesar, or not captive to him, I'll set thee in a shower of gold and hail rich pearls upon thee. Madam, he's well. Well said. And friends with Caesar. Thou art an honest man. Caesar and he are greater friends than ever. Make thee a fortune from me. But yet, madam... I do not like but yet. It does allay the good precedence. Fie upon but yet. But yet is as a jailer to bring forth some monstrous malefactor. Prithee, friend, pour out the pack of matter to mine ear, the good and bad together. He's friends with Caesar. In state of health, thou sayest, and thou sayest free. Free, madam. No, I made uh, no such report. He's bound on to Octavia. For what good turn? For the best turn in the bed. I am pale, Charmian. Madam, he's married to Octavia. The most infectious pestilence upon thee! Strike him down. Good madam, patience. What say you? Hence! Strikes him again. Horrible villain, or I'll spurn thine eyes like balls before me. I'll unhair thy head! She hails him up and down. Thou shalt be whipped with wire and stewed in brine, smarting in lingering pickle. Gracious madam, I that do bring the news make not the match. Say, tis not so. 
a province I will give thee, and make thy fortunes proud. The blow thou hadst shall make thy peace for moving me to rage, and I will boot thee with what gift beside thy modesty can beg. He's married, madam. Rogue, thou hast lived too long. Nathan, I'll run. What mean you, madam? I have made no fault. Exit. But, madam, keep yourself within yourself. The man is innocent. Some innocents scape not the thunderbolt. Melt Egypt into Nile, and kindly creatures turn all to serpents. Call the slave again. Though I am mad, I will not bite him. Call. He is afeard to come. I will not hurt him. Exit Charmian. These hands do lack nobility that they strike a meaner than myself, since I myself have given myself the cause. We enter Charmian and Messenger. Come hither, sir. Though it be honest, it is never good to bring bad news. Give to a gracious message, a host of tongues, but let ill tidings tell themselves when they be felt. I have done my duty. Is he married? I cannot hate thee worser than I do, if thou again say yes. He's married, madam. The gods confound thee! Hmm, dost thou hold there still? Should I lie, madam? Oh, I would thou didst, so half my Egypt were submerged and made a cistern for scaled snakes. Go, get thee hence. Hadst thou Narcissus in thy face to me, thou wouldst appear most ugly. He is married. I crave my highness's pardon. He is married. Take no offense that I would not offend you to punish me for what you make me do seems much unequal. He's married to Octavia. Oh, that his fault should make a knave of thee. Thou art not what thou art sure of. Get thee hence. The merchandise thou hast brought from Rome are all too dear for me. Lie they upon thy hand and be undone by them. Exit messenger. Good, your highness, patience. In praising Antony, I have dispraised Caesar. Many times, madam. I am paid for it now. Lead me from hence. I faint. Oh, Iris, Charmian. Tis no matter. Go to the fellow, good Alexis. Bid him report the feature of Octavia, her years, her inclination. Let him not leave out the color of her hair. Bring me word quickly. Exit Alexis. Let him forever go. Let him not. Charmian, though he be painted one way like a gorgon, the other way's a Mars. Bid you, Alexis. <clears throat> Bring me word how tall she is. Pity me, Charmian, but do not speak to me. Lead me to my chamber. Exit. Scene six near Messenum. Flourish, enter Pompey and Menace at one door with drum and, drum and trumpet. At another, Octavius, Caesar, Mark Antony, Lepidus, Anabarbus, Messenus, with soldiers marching. Your hostages I have, so have you mine. And we shall talk before we fight. Most meet that first we come to words, and therefore have we our written purposes before us sent. Which, if thou hast considered, let us know if twill tie up thy discontented sword, and carry back to Sicily much tall youth that must else perish here. 
to you all three, the senators alone of this great world, chief factors for the gods. I do not know wherefore my father should revengers want, having a son and friends, since Julius Caesar, who at Philippi and the good Brutus ghosted, there saw you laboring for him. What was it that moved pale Cassius to conspire? And what made the all-honored, honest Roman, Brutus, with the arm at rest, courtiers and beauteous freedom to drench the capital, but that they would have one man but a man? And that is it. Hath made me rig my navy, at whose burthen the angered ocean foams, with which I meant to scourge the ingratitude that despiteful Rome cast on my noble father. Take your time. Thou canst not fear us, Pompey, with thy sails. We'll speak with thee at sea. At land thou knowest how much we do or count thee. At land, indeed. Thou dost overcount me of my father's house. But since the cuckoo builds not for himself, remain in it as thou mayest. Be pleased to tell us, for this is from the present, how you take the offers we have sent you. There's the point. Which do not be entreated to, but weigh what is worth embraced. And what may follow, to try a larger fortune. You have made me offer of Sicily, Sardinia. And I must rid all the sea of pirates. Then to send measures of wheat to Rome, tis greed upon to part with unhacked edges and bear back our targes undinted. That's, That's our, our offer. Know then. I came before you here a man prepared to take this offer, but Mark Antony put me to some impatience. Though I lose the praise of it by telling, you must know when Caesar and your brother were at blows, your mother came to Sicily and did find her welcome friendly. I have heard it, Pompey, and am well studied for a liberal thanks which I do owe you. Let me have your hand. I did not think, sir, to have met you here. Well, the beds of the East are soft. And thanks to you, they called me timelier than my purpose hither, for I have gained by it. Since I saw you last, there is a change upon you. Well, I know not what counts harsh fortune casts upon my face, but in my bosom shall she never come to make my heart her vessel. Well met here. <clears throat> I hope so, Glepidus. Thus, we are agreed. I crave our composition may be written and sealed between us. That's the next to do. We'll feast each other ere we part, and let's draw lots who shall begin. That will I, Pompey. No, Antony, take the lot. But first or last, your fine Egyptian cookery shall have the fame. I have heard that Julius Caesar grew fat with feastings there. You have heard much. I have fair meaning, sir. And fair words to them. Then so much have I heard. And I have heard Apollodorus carried. No more of that. He did so. <laughs> what? I pray you. A certain queen to Caesar in a mattress. I know thee now. How farest thou, soldier? Well, and well am like to do, for I perceive four feasts are toward. Let me shake thy hand. I never hated thee, 
I have seen the fights when I've envied thy behavior. Sir, I never loved you much, but I have praised ye when you have well deserved ten times as much as I have said you did. Enjoy thy plainness, that nothing ill becomes thee. Aboard my galley, I invite you all. Will you lead, lords? Show us the way. What's the way, sir? Come. Exunt all but menace and Enobarbus. My father, Pompey, would ne'er have made his, this treaty. You and I have known, sir. At sea, I think. We have, sir. You have done well by water. And you by land. Oh, I'll praise any man that will praise me, though it cannot be denied what I have done by land. Nor what I have done by water. Yes, something you can deny for your own safety. You have been a great thief by sea. And you by land. There I deny my land service, but give me your hand, Minas. If our eyes had authority here, they might make two thieves kissing. All men's faces are true, whatsoever their hands are. But there is never a fair woman has a true face. No slander, they steal hearts. We came hither to fight with you. For my part, I am sorry it, it, it turned to a drinking. Pompey doth this day laugh away his fortune. If he do, sure, he cannot weep back again. You said, sir, we looked not for Mark Anthony here. Pray you, is he married to Cleopatra? Caesar's sister is called Octavia. True, sir. She was the wife of Caius Marcellus. But she is now the wife of Marcus Antonius. Pray ye, sir. Tis true. Then is Caesar and he forever knit together. If I were bound to divine of this unity, I would not prophesy so. I think the policy of that purpose made more in the marriage than the love of the parties. I think so, too. But you shall find the band that seems to tie their friendship together will be the very strangler of their amity. Octavia is of a holy, cold, and still conversation. Mm, who would not have his wife so? Not he that himself is not so, which is Mark Antony. He will to his Egyptian dish again. Then shall the size of Octavia blow the fire up in Caesar. And as I said before, that which is the strength of their amity shall prove the immediate author of their variance. Antony will use his affection where it is. He married but his occasion here. And thus it may be. Come, sir, will you aboard? I have a health for you. I shall take it, sir. We have used our throats in Egypt. Come, let's away. Excellent. Scene seven on board Pompey's galley off Missinum. Music plays. Enter two or three servants with a banquet. Hello, be man. Some of their plants are ill-rooted already. The least wind in the world will blow them down. Lepidus is high-colored. Mm, I have made him drink alms drink. <laughs> As they pinch one another by the disposition, he cries out, No more! Reconciles them to his entreaty and himself to the drink. But it raises the greater war between him and his discretion. Hmm. <laughs> this is to have a name in great men's fellowship. I had his leave have a reed that will do me no service as a partisan I could not leave. 
To be called into a huge fear and to not be seen to move in it are the holes where I should be, which pitifully disaster the cheeks. Senate sounded, enter Octavius Caesar, Mark Antony, Lepidus, Pompey, Agrippa, Messinus, Dominus, Inobarbus, Minus, and other captains. Thus do they, sir. They take the flow of the Nile by certain scales in the pyramid. They know by the height, the lowness, or the mean, if dearth or foison follow. The higher Nilus swells, the more it promises. As it ebbs, the seedsman upon the slime and ooze scatters his grain and shortly comes to harvest. You've strange serpents there. (laughs) Aye, Lepidus. Your serpent of Egypt is bred now of your mud by the operation of your son. So is your crocodile. (laughs) They are so. (laughs) Sit. Uh, and some wine. A health to Lepidus. I am not so well as I should be, but I'll there out. Not till you have slept. <laughs> I fear me you'll be in till then. Nay, certainly. I have heard the Ptolemy's pyramuses are very goodly things. <laughs> Without contradiction, I have heard that. Pompey, a word? Say in mine ear. What did it? Forsake thy seat, I do beseech thee, Captain, and hear me speak a word. <laughs> Forbear me till anon. This wine for Lepidus. Hey! Mm-hmm. What manner of thing is your crocodile? <laughs> it is shaped, sir like itself, and it is broad as it had breadth. It is just so high as it is and moves with its own organs. It lives by that which nourisheth it, and the elements once out of it, it transmigrates. What color is it of? (laughs) Of its own color, too. Tis a strange serpent. (laughs) Tis so. And the tears of it are wet. (laughs) Will this description satisfy him? With the health that Pompey gives him? Else he is a very epicure. (laughs) Oh, hang, sir. Hang. Tell me of that. Away. Do as I bid you. Where's this cup I called for? If for the sake of merit thou wilt hear me, rise from thy stool. I think thou art mad. The matter. I have ever held my cap off to thy fortunes. Thou hast served me with much faith. What's else to say? Be jolly, lords. Hey, these, these quicksands, Lepidus, keep off them, for you sink. <laughs> wilt thou be lord of all the world? What sayest thou? Wilt thou be lord of the whole world? That's twice. <laughs> How should that be? But entertain it. And thou, though thou think me poor, I am the man will give thee all the world. <laughs> Hast thou drunk well? Now, Pompey, I have kept me from the cup. Thou art, if thou darest be, the earthly Jove. 
Whate'er the ocean pales or sky eclipse is thine, if thou wilt have it. Show me which way. These three world sharers, these competitors, are in thy vessel. Let me cut the cable, and when we are put off, fall to their throats. All there is thine. Mm, ah, this thou shouldst have done, and not have spoke on it. In me, tis villainy. In thee, it had been good service. Uh, thou must know, tis not my profit that does lead mine honor, mine honor it. Repent that ere thy tongue hath so betrayed thine act. Being done unknown, I should have found it afterwards well done, but must condemn it now. Desist and drink. For this I'll never follow thy piled fortunes more. Who seeks and will not take when once it is offered shall never find it more. <laughs> this hell, Telepidus. Bear him ashore. No, bear him ashore. I'll pledge it for him, Pompey. Here's to thee, Minas. Anabarbus, welcome. Fill the cup he hid. He hid. There's you a strong you know fellow, Minas. Pointing to the attendant who carries off Lepidus. Why? That bears the third part of the world, man. See, it's not. <laughs> the third part, then, is drunk. Would it were all that it might go on wheels. Drink thou. Increase the reels. Come. This is not yet an Alexandrian feast. It ripens toward it. Strike <laughs> the vessels, ho. Here's to Caesar. Ha <laughs> ha. I could well forbear it. It's monstrous labor when I wash my brain. And it grows fouler. <laughs> Be a child of the time. Possess it. I'll make answer. But I had rather fast from all four days than drink so much in one. <laughs> <laughs> my brave emperor. Ah, shall we dance now, the Egyptian bacchanals, and uh, celebrate our drink? <laughs> let's have it, good soldier. Come, let's all take hands till that the conquering wine hath steeped our sense in soft and delicate leaves. All take hands, make battery to our ears with the loud music, the while I'll place you. Then the boy shall sing, the holding every man shall bear as loud as his strong sides can volley. Music plays, and Ibarbus places them hand in hand. Come, thou monarch of the vine, plumpy Bacchus, with pink eye, in thy fats our cares be drowned, with thy grapes our hairs be crowned. Cup us till the world go round, <laughs> cup us till the world go round. Ah, uh, well, what? Would you more? Pompey, good night. Good brother, let me request you off. A graver business frowns at this levity. <clears throat> Gentle lords, let's part. You see, we have burnt our cheeks. <laughs> Strong Enobarb is weaker than the wine, and mine own tongue splits what it speaks. Pat. The wild disguise had almost addict us all. What need more words? Good night. Good Antony, your hand. <laughs> I'll try you on the shore. 
and shall sir give us your hand oh antony you have my father's house but what we are friends come down into the boat <laughs> take heed you fall not <laughs> exempt all but anabarbus and menace menace i'll not on shore no to my cabin these drums, these trumpets, flutes, what? Let Neptune hear we bid a loud farewell to these great fellows. Sound and be hanged, sound out. Sound to flourish with drums. Ho! Cesare, there's my cap! Ho, noble captain, come! Exunt. Act three, scene one, a plane in Syria. Enter Ventidius as if he were in triumph with Silas and other Romans, officers and soldiers, the dead body of Pacorus born before them. Now, darting Parthia, art thou struck? And now, pleased fortune does of Marcus Crassus' death, make me revenger. Bear the king's son's body before our army. Thy Pacorus, Ordus, pays these this for Marcus Crassus. Noble Ventidius, whilst yet with Parthian blood thy sword is warm, the fugitive Parthians follow, spur through Medea, Mesopotamia, and the shelters whither the routed fly. So thy grand captain Antony shall set thee on triumphant chariots and put garlands on thy head. Oh, Silius, Silius, I have done enough. A lower place, note well, may make too great an act for... Learn this, Silius. Better to leave undone than by our deed acquire too high a fame when he were serves away. Caesar and Antony have ever won more in their officer than person. Sosius, one of my place in Syria, his lieutenant, for a quick accumulation of renown, which he achieved by the minute, lost his favor. Who does in wars more than his captain can, becomes his captain's captain and ambition then the soldier's virtue rather makes his choice makes choice of loss than gain which darkens him i could do no more i could do more to do antinous good but to offend him and in his offense should my performance perish thou hast been tedious that without the which a soldier and his sword grants scarce to scarce distinction thou wilt write to antony i'll humbly signify what in his name that magical word of war we have affected. How with his banners and his well-paid ranks, the never, ne'er yet beaten horse of Parthia, we have jaded out of the field. Where is he now? He proposes to Athens, whither with what haste the weight we must convey with, with will permit. He, we shall appear before him on there. Pass along. Exunt. Scene two, Rome, an antechamber in Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Agrippa at one door and Obarbus at another. What, are the brothers parted? They have dispatched with Pompey. He is gone. The other three are sealing. Octavia weeps to part from Rome. Caesar is sad. And Lepidus, since Pompey's feast, as Minas says, is troubled with the green sickness. Tis a noble Lepidus. Oh, very fine one. Oh, how he loves Caesar. Nay, but how dearly he adores Mark Antony. Caesar, why, he's the Jupiter of men. What's Antony, the god of Jupiter? 
spake you of Caesar? How? The non pare. Oh, Antony, oh, thou Arabian bird. Would you praise Caesar? Say, Caesar, go no further. Indeed, he plied them both with excellent praises. But he loves Caesar best, yet he loves Antony. Oh, hearts, tongues, figures, scribes, bards, poets, cannot think, speak, cast, write, sing, number. Oh, his love to Anthony. But as for Caesar, kneel down, kneel down and wonder. Both he loves. They are his shards and he their beetle. Trumpets within. So, this is the horse. Adieu, noble Agrippa. Enter Octavius Caesar, Mark Antony, Lepidus, and Octavia. No further, sir. You you take from me, you take from me a great part of myself. Use me well in't. Sister, prove such a wife as my thoughts make thee, and as my farthest hand shall pass on thy approof. Most noble Antony, let not this piece of virtue, which is set betwixt us as the cement of our love, to keep it builded, be the ram to batter the fortress of it. For better might we have loved without this mean, if on both parts this be not cherished. Make me not offended in your distrust. I have said. You shall not find, though you be there in curious, the least cause for what you seem to fear. So the gods keep you, and make the hearts of Romans serve your ends. We will here part. Farewell. My dearest sister, fare thee well. The elements be kind to thee, and make thy spirits all of comfort. Fare thee well. My noble brother. Oh, the April's in her eyes. It is love's spring, and these the showers to bring it on. Be cheerful. Sir, look well to my husband's house and... Lord Octavia. I'll tell you in your ear. Her tongue will not obey her heart, nor can her heart inform her tongue. The swan's down feather that stands upon the swell at full tide and neither way inclines. Will Caesar weep? Has a cloud in his face. He were the worse for that, were he a horse. So is he being a man? Why, you know, Barbus, when Antony found Julius Caesar dead, he cried almost to roll. And he wept at Philippi when he found Brutus slain. Oh, that year, indeed, he was troubled with rheum. What willingly he did confound, he wailed, believed it, till I wept too. Oh, sweet Octavia, you shall hear from me still. The time shall not outgo my thinking on you. Come, sir, come. I'll wrestle with you in my strength of love. Look, here I have you. Thus I let you go and give you to the gods. Adieu. Be happy. Let all the number of the stars give light to thy fair way. Farewell. Farewell. Kisses Octavia. Farewell. Trumpets sound, exunt. Scene three, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Alexis.
Where's the fellow? Half afeard to come. Go to, go to. Enter the messenger as before. Come hither, sir. Good majesty, Herod of Jewry dare not look upon you, but when you are well pleased. That Herod's head I'll have. But how, when Antony is gone, through whom I might command it? Come thou near. Most gracious majesty. Didst thou behold Octavia? I, dread queen. Where? Madam, in Rome. I I looked her in the face and saw her led between her brother and Mark Antony. Is she as tall as me? She is not, madam. Didst hear her speak? Is she shrill-tongued or low? Madam, I heard her speak. She's low-voiced. That's not so good. He cannot like her long. Like her? Oh, Isis, tis impossible. I think so, Charmian. Dull of tongue and dwarfish. (laughs) What majesty is in her gate? Remember, if e'er thou look'st on majesty. She creeps. Her motion and her station are as one. She shows a body rather than a life, a statue than a breather. Is this certain? Or I have no observance. Three in Egypt cannot make better note. He's very knowing. I I do perceive it. There's nothing better. uh, I do perceive it. There's nothing in her yet. The fellow has good judgment. Excellent. Guess at her years, I prithee. Madam, she was a widow. Widow! Charmian, hark! And I do think she's thirty. Bearest thou her face in mind? It's long around. Round, even to faultiness. For the most part, too, they are foolish that are so. Her hair, what color? Brown, madam, and her forehead as low as she would wish it. There's gold for thee. Thou must not take my former sharpness ill. I will employ thee back again. I find thee most fit for business. Go make thee ready. Our letters are prepared. Exit messenger. A proper man. Indeed, he is so. I repent me much that I so harried him. Why, methinks by him this creature's no such thing. Nothing, madam. The man hath seen some majesty, and should know. Hath he seen majesty? Isis else defend, and serving you so long. I have one more thing to ask him yet, good Charmian, but tis no matter. Thou shalt bring him to me where I will write. All may be well enough. I warrant you, madam. Excellent. Scene four, Athens, a room in Mark Antony's house. Enter Mark Antony and Octavia. Nay, nay, Octavia, not only that, that were excusable. That and thousands more of semblable import. But he hath waged new wars against Pompey made his will, and read it to public ear, spoke scantly of me when, perforce, he could not but pay me terms of honor, cold and sickly he vented them. Most narrow measure lent me. When the best hint was given him, he not took it, or did it from his teeth. My good Lord, believe not all, or, if you must believe, stomach not all. A more unhappy lady, if this division chance, ne'er stood between praying for 
praying for both parts. The, God, the good gods, me presently, when I shall pray. Oh, bless my Lord and husband. Undo that prayer by crying out as loud. Oh, bless my brother. Husband wins, win brother. Prays and destroys the prayer. No midway twixt these extremes at all. Gentle Octavia, let your best love draw to that point which seeks best to preserve it. If I lose mine honor, I lose myself. Better I were not yours than yours, so branchless. But as you requested, yourself shall go betweens. The meantime, lady, I'll raise the preparation of a war shall stain your brother. Make your soonest haste, so your desires are yours. Thanks to my lord. The Jove of power makes me most weak, most weak. Your reconciler. Wars twixt you twain would be as if the world should cleave, that slain men should solder up the rift. When it appears to you where this begins, turn your displeasure that way. For our faults can never be so equal that your love can equally move with them. Provide your going. Choose your own company and command what cost your heart has mind to. Excellent. Scene five, the same, another room. Entered Enobarbus and Eros meeting. How now, friend Eros? There's strange news come, sir. What, ma'am? Caesar and Lepidus have made wars upon Pompey. This is old. What is the success? Caesar, having made use of him in the wars against Pompey, presently denied him rivality, would not let him partake in the glory of the action, and not resting here, accuses him of letters he had formerly wrote to Pompey. Upon his own appeal, seizes him, so the poor third is up till death enlarge his confine. Then, world, thou hast a pair of chaps no more, and throw between them all the food thou hast, they'll grind the one the other. Where's Anthony? He's walking in the garden, thus, and spurns the rush that lies before him, cries, Fool, Lepidus, and threats the throat of that his officer that murdered Pompey. Oh, our great navy's rigged. For Italy and Caesar, more, Demidius, my lord desires you presently. My news I might have told hereafter. Twill be not, but let it be. Bring me to Antony. Come, sir. Exeunt. Scene six, Rome, Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Octavius Caesar, Agrippa, and Messianus. Condemning Rome, he has done all this and more. In Alexandria, here's the matter of it. In the marketplace, on a tribunal silvered, Cleopatra and himself in chairs of gold were publicly enthroned. At the feet sat Caesarian, whom they call my father's son, and all the unlawful issue that their lust since then hath made between them. Unto her he gave the establishment of Egypt, made her of lower Syria, Cyprus, Lydia, absolute queen. This in the public eye? In the common showplace, where they exercise. His sons he there proclaimed the kings of kings. Great Media, Partha, and Armenia he gave to Alexander. To Ptolemy he assigned Syria, Cilicia, uh, and Phoenicia. She, she, in the habiliments of the goddess Isis that day appeared, and oft before gave audience, as tis reported so. Let Rome be thus informed. Who, queasy with his insolence already, will their good thoughts call from him? The people know it, and have now received his accusations. What does he accuse? Caesar! 
and that having in Sicily Sextus Pompeius spoiled, we had not rated him his part of the isle. Then does he say, he lent me some shipping unrestored. Lastly, he frets that Lepidus of the Triumvirate should be deposed, and being that we detain all his revenue. Sir, this should be answered. Tis done already, and the messenger gone. I have told him Lepidus was grown too cruel, that he his high authority abused and did deserve his change. For what I have conquered, I grant him part. But then, in his Armenia and other of his conquered kingdoms, I demand the like. He'll never yield to that. Nor must then be yielded to in this. Enter Octavia with her train. Hail, Caesar, and my lord. Hail, most dear Caesar. Whatever I should call thee castaway. You have not called me so, nor have you cause. Why have you stolen upon us thus? You come not like Caesar's sister. The wife of Antony should have an army for an usher, and the nays of horse to tell of her approach long ere she did appear. The trees, by the way, should have borne men, and expectation fainted, longing for what it had not. Nay, the dust should have ascended to the roof of heaven, raised by your populous troops. But you are come a market maid to Rome, and have prevented the ostentation of our love, which left unshown is often left unloved. We should have met you by sea and land, supplying every stage with an augmented greeting. Good my lord, to come thus was I not constrained, but did on my free will. My lord, Mark Antony, hearing that you prepared for war, acquainted my grieved ear with all whereon I begged his pardon for return. <laughs> Which soon he granted, being an obstruct between his lust and him. Do not say so, my lord. I have eyes upon him, and his affairs come to me on the wind. Where is he now? My lord, in Athens. No! My most wronged sister, Cleopatra, hath nodded him to her. He hath given his empire up to a whore, who now are lying, levying the kings of the earth for war. He hath assembled Brocchus, the king of Libya, Archelaus of Cappadocia, Philadelphus, king of Phalagonia, the Thracian king, Adelus, king Malchus of Arabia, king of Pont, Herod of Jewry, Mithridates, king of Comagene, Polyman and Amyntas, the kings of Mede and Lyconia, with a more larger list of scepters. Hide me, most wretched that have my heart parted betwixt two friends that do afflict each other. Welcome hither. Your letters did withhold our breaking forth. So we perceived both how you were wrong-led and we in negligent danger. Cheer your heart. Be you not troubled with the time? which drives o'er your content these strong necessities. But let determined things to destiny hold unbewailed their way. Welcome to Rome. Nothing more dear to me. You are abused beyond the mark of thought. And the high gods, to do you justice, make them ministers of us and those that love you. Best of comfort, 
and ever welcome to us. Welcome, lady. Welcome, dear madam. Each heart in Rome does love and pity you. Only the adulterous Antony, most large in his abominations, turns you off and gives his potent regiment to a troll that noises it against us. Is it so, sir? Most certain. Sister, welcome. Pray you, be ever known to patience. My dear sister. Exit. Scene seven near Actium, Mark Antony's camp. Enter Cleopatra and Amidas are in a barbus. I will be even with thee, doubt it not. But why? 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 Thou hast forespoke my being in these wars, and sayest it is not fit. Well, is it? Is it? If not denounced against us, why should not we be there in person? Well, I could reply. If we should serve with horse and mares together, the horse were merely lost. The mares would bear a soldier and his horse. What is it you say? Your presence needs must puzzle Antony. Take from his heart, take from his brain, from time. Well, it should not then be spared. He is already traduced for levity, and tis said in Rome that Fotinus and Munich and your maids manage this war. Sink Rome and their tongues rot that speak against us. A charge we bear in the war, and as president of my kingdom, will appear there for a man. Speak not against it. I will not stay behind. Nay, I have done. Here comes the emperor. Enter Mark Antony and Canidius. Is it not strange, Canidius, that from Tarentum and Brundusium he could so quickly cut the Ionian Sea and take in Torini? You have heard on, sweet? Celerity is never more admired than by the negligent. A good rebuke, which might well have become the best of men to taunt at slackness. Canidius, we will fight with him by sea. By sea? What else? Why will my lord do so? For that he dares us to it. So hath my lord dared him to single fight. Aye, and to wage this battle at Pharsalia, where Caesar fought with Pompey, but these offers which serve not for his vantage, he shakes off, and so should you. Your ships are not well manned. Your mariners are muleters, reapers, people engrossed by swift impress. In Caesar's fleet are those that often have against Pompey fought. Their ships are yare, yours, heavy. No disgrace shall fall you for refusing him at sea, being prepared for land. By sea, by sea. Most worthy sir, you therein throw away the absolute soldiership you have by land. Distract your army, which doth most consist of war-marked footmen. Leave unexecuted your own renowned knowledge. Quite forego the way which promises assurance, and give up yourself merely to chance and hazard from firm security. I'll fight at sea. <sighs> I'll have... Oh, shit. I have 60 sails. Caesar, none better. Our overplus of shipping we will burn, and with the rest full man from the head of Actium beat the approaching Caesar. But if we fail, we then can do it at land. Enter a messenger. By business? 
The news is true, my lord. He is described. Caesar has taken Turin. Can he be there in person? Tis impossible. Strange that power should be. Canidius, our nineteen legions thou shalt hold by land, and our twelve thousand horse. Wheel to our ship. Away, my Thetis. Enter a soldier. How now, worthy soldier? Noble emperor, do not fight by sea. Trust not to rotten planks. Do you misdoubt this sword and these my wounds? Let the Egyptians and the Phoenicians go a-ducking. We have used to conquer, standing on the earth and fighting foot to foot. Well, well, away. Exit Mark Antony, Queen Cleopatra, and Demetrius Inabarus. <clears throat> Hercules, I think I'm in the right. Soldier, thou art. But his whole action grows not in the power on it. So our leaders led, and we are women's men. You keep by land, the legions and the horse whole, do you not? Marcus Octavius, Marcus Justeus, Publicola, and Salius are for sea, but we keep whole by land. The speed of Caesar's carries beyond belief. While he was yet in Rome, his power went out in such distractions as beguiled all spies. Who's his lieutenant, hear you? They say one Taurus. Well, I know the man. Enter a messenger. The emperor calls Canidius. With news, the times with labor, and throws forth each minute some. Exit. Scene eight, a plain near Actium. Enter Octavius Caesar and Taurus with his army marching. Taurus. My lord. Strike not by land. Keep whole. Provoke not battle. Till we have done at sea. Do not exceed the prescript of this scroll. Our fortune lies upon this jump. Exit. Scene nine, another part of the plain. Enter Mark Antony and Inabarbus. Said we are squadrons on yon side of the hill, eye of Caesar's battle, from which place we may the numbers of the ships behold and so proceed accordingly. Exit. Scene 10, another part of the plain. Canidius marcheth with his land army one way over the stage, and Taurus, the lieutenant of Octavius Caesar, the other way. After their going in is heard the noise of a sea fight. Alarum, enter Inabarbus. Not, not, all not. Ah, I can behold no longer the Antoniad, the Egyptian admiral, with all their sixty fly and turn the rudder to see it. Mine eyes are blasted. Enter Scarus. Gods and goddesses, all the whole synod of them. What's thy passion? The greater cantle of the world is lost with very ignorance. We have kissed away kingdoms and provinces. How appears the fight? On our side, like the tokened pestilence, where death is sure. Yon ribadred nag of Egypt, whom leprosy o'ertake, in the midst of the fight, when vantage like a pair of twins appeared, both at the same time, or rather ours, the elder, the breast upon her like a cow in June, hoists sails and flies. That I beheld. Mine eyes did sicken at the sight and could not endure a further view. She once being loofed, the noble ruin of her magic, Antony, claps on his sea wing and like a doting mallard leaving the, flight, leaving the fight in height flies after her. I never saw an action of such shame. Experience, manhood, honor, ne'er before did violate so itself. Alack, alack. 
Intercanidius. Our fortune on the sea is out of breath and sinks most lamentably. Had our general been what he knew himself, it had gone well. Oh, he has given example for our flight most grossly by his own. Aye, are you thereabouts? Why, then, good night indeed. Toward Peloponnesus are they fled. Tis easy to it, and there I will attend what further comes. To Caesar will I render my legions and my horse. Six kings already show me the way of yielding. I'll yet follow the wounded chance of Antony, though my reason sits in the wind against me. Excellent. Scene 11 at Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Mark Antony with attendance. Hark, the land bids me tread no more upon it. It is ashamed to bear me. Friends, come hither. I am so lated in the world that I have lost my way forever. I have a ship laden with gold. Take that, divide it, fly, and make your peace with Caesar. Fly, not we. I have fled myself and have instructed cowards to run and show their shoulders. Friends, be gone. I have myself resolved upon a course which has no need of you. Be gone. My treasure's in the harbor. Take it. Oh, I followed that I blush to look upon. My very hairs do mutiny. For the white reprove the brown for rashness, and they them for fear and doting. Friends, be gone. You shall have letters from me to some friends that will sweep your way for you. Pray you, look not sad, nor make replies of loathness. Take the hint which my despair proclaims. Let that be left which leaves itself. To the seaside straightway, I will possess you of that ship and treasure. Leave me, I pray, a little. Pray you now. Nay, do so, for indeed I have lost command, therefore I pray you. I'll see you by and by. Sits down. Enter Cleopatra, led by Charmian and Iris, Eros following. Nay, gentle madam, to him, comfort him. Do, most dear queen. Do? Why? What else? Let me sit down. Oh, Juno. Oh, no, 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 no. See you here, sir. Oh, fie, fie, fie. Madam. Madam, oh, good empress. Sir, sir. Yes, my lord, yes. He at Philippi kept his sword in like a dancer while I struck the lean and wrinkled Cassius. And t'was I, the mad Brutus, ended. He alone dealt on lieutenantry, and no practice had in the brave squares of war, yet now, no matter. Ah, stand by. The queen, my lord, the queen. Go to him, madam, speak to him. He is unqualified with very shame. Well, then, sustain me, oh! Most noble sir, arise. The queen approaches. Her head's declined, and death will seize her, but your comfort makes the rescue. I have offended reputation, a most unnoble swerving. Sir, the queen. Oh, whither hast thou led me, Egypt? See how I convey my shame out of thine eyes by looking back what I have left behind, stroyed in dishonor. Oh, my lord. 
My Lord, forgive my fearful sails. I little thought you would have followed. Egypt, thou knewest too well. My heart was to thy rudder tied by the strings, and thou shouldst tow me after. For my spirit, thy full supremacy, thou knewest, and that thy beck might from the bidding of the gods command me. Oh, my pardon! Now I must to the young man send humble treaties, dodge and palter in the shifts of loneliness, who with half the bulk of the world played as I pleased, making and marring fortunes. You did know how much you were my conqueror, and that my sword, made weak by my affection, would obey it on all cause. Pardon, pardon. Fall not a tear, I say. One of them rates all that is won and lost. Give me a kiss. Even this repays me. We sent our schoolmaster. Is he come back? Love, I am full of lead. Some wine within there and our viands. Fortune knows we scorn her most. When most she offers blows. Exit. Scene 12, Egypt, Octavius Caesar's camp. Enter Octavius Caesar, Dolabella, Tyreus, and with others. Let him appear that's come from Antony. Know you him? Caesar, tis his schoolmaster. An argument that he has plucked when hither he sends so poor a pinion off his wing, which had superfluous kings for messengers not many moons gone by. Enter Euphronius, ambassador from it, Mark Antony. Approach and speak. Such as I am, I come from Antony. I was of late as petty to his ends as is the morn due on the myrtle leaf to his grand sea. Yet so. Declare thine office. Lord of his fortunes, he salutes thee and requires to live in Egypt, which is not granted. He lessens his request and to thee soothes to let him breathe between the heavens and earth, a private man in Athens. This for him. Next, Cleopatra does confess thy greatness, submits her to thy might, and of thee craves the circle of the Ptolemies for her heirs, now hazarded to thy grace. For Antony, I have no ears to his request. The queen of audience nor desire shall fail, so she from Egypt drive her all-disgraced friend, or take his life there. This, if she perform, she shall not sue unheard. So to them both. Fortune pursue thee. Bring him through the bands. Exit Euphronius. From Antony, win Cleopatra. Promise, and in our name, what she requires. Add more from thine invention, offers. Women are not in their best fortunes strong, but want will perjure the ne'er-touched vestal. Try thy cunning, Tyrius. Make thine own edict for thy pains, which we will answer as a law. Caesar, let it go. Observe how Antony becomes his flaw, and what thou think'st his very action speaks in every power that moves. 
teaser? I shall. Oh. Excellent. Scene 13, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Enobarbus, Charmian, and Iris. What shall we do, Enobarbus? Think and die. Is Antony or we in fault for this? Antony only, that would make his will lord of his reason. What though you fled from that great face of war whose several ranges frighted each other? Why should he follow? The itch of his affection should not then have nicked his captainship at such a point when half to half the world opposed, he being the mirrored question, Twas a shame, no less than was his loss, to course your flying flags and leave his navy grazing. For thee, peace. Enter Mark Antony with Euphronius, the ambassador. Is that his answer? Aye, my lord. The queen shall then have courtesy, so she will yield us up. He says so. Let her know it. To the boy, Caesar, send this grizzled head, and he will fill thy wishes to the brim with principalities. That head, my lord? To him again. Tell him he wears the rose of youth upon him, from which the world should note something particular. His coin, ships, legions, may be a coward's, whose ministers would prevail under the service of a child as soon as at the command of Caesar. I dare him. Therefore, to lay his gay comparison apart and answer me decline, sword against sword, ourselves alone. I'll write it. Follow me. Exit Mark Antony and Euphronius. Yes, like enough, high-battled Caesar will unstate his happiness and be staged to the show against a sworder. I see men's judgments are a parcel of their fortunes, and things outward do draw the inward quality after them to suffer all alike that he should dream, knowing all measures. The full Caesar will answer his emptiness. Caesar, thou hast subdued his judgment too. Enter an attendant. A message from Caesar. What, no more ceremony? See, my women, against the blown rose may they stop their nose that kneeled unto the buds. Admit him, sir. Exit attendant. Mine honesty and I begin to square. The loyalty well held to fools does make our faith mere folly. Yet he that can endure to follow with allegiance a fallen lord does conquer him that did his master conquer and earns a place in the story. Enter Therius. Caesar's will, hear it apart. None but friends, say boldly. So happily are they friends to Antony. He needs as many, sir, as Caesar has. Or needs not us. If Caesar please, our master will leap to be his friend. For us, you know whose he is we are, and that is Caesar's. So, thus then, thou most renowned, Caesar entreats, not to consider in what case thou standst further than he is Caesar. Go on, right royal. He knows that you embrace not Antony as you did love, but as you feared him. Oh, the scars upon your honor, therefore, he just pity as constrained blemishes, not as deserved. He is a god. 
and knows what is most right. Mine honor was not yielded, but conquered merely. To be sure of that, I will ask Anthony. Sir, sir, thou art so leaky that we must leave thee to thy sinking, or thy dearest quit thee. Exit. Shall I say to Caesar what you require of him? For he partly begs to be desired to give. It would much please him that of his fortunes you should make a staff to lean upon, but it would warm his spirits to hear from me you had left Antony and put yourself under his shroud, the universal landlord. What's your name? My name is Thyreus. Most kind messenger, say to great Caesar this, in deputation, I kiss his conquering hand. Tell him I am prompt to lay my crown at his feet and there to kneel. Tell him from his all-obeying breath, I hear the doom of Egypt. Tis your noblest course. Wisdom and fortune combating together, if that the former dare but what it can, no chance may shake it. Give me grace to lay my duty on your hand. Your Caesar's father oft, when he hath mused of taking kingdoms in, bestowed his lips on that unworthy place as it rained kisses. We enter Mark Antony and Inabarbus. Favors? By Jove, that thunders! What art thou, fellow? One that but performs the bidding of the fullest man, and worthiest to have command obeyed. You will be whipped. Approach there. Ah, you kite. Now, gods and devils, authority melts from me. Of late, when I cried, ho, like boys unto a must, kings would start forth and cry, your will? Have you no ears? I am Antony, yet. Enter attendants. Take hence this Jack and whip him. It's better playing with a lion's whelp than with an old one dying. Moon and stars, whip him. Were twenty of the greatest tributaries that do acknowledge Caesar, should I find them so saucy with the hand of she here? What's her name? Since she was Cleopatra. Whip him, fellows, till like a boy you see him cringe his face and whine aloud for mercy. Take him hence. Mark Anthony. Tug him away. Being whipped, bring him again. This Jack of Caesar shall bear us an errand to him. Exunt attendance with Therius. You were half-blasted ere I knew you. Ha! Have I my pillow left unpressed in Rome? Forborn the getting of a lawful race, and by a gem of women to be abused by one that looks on feeders? Good, my lord. You have been a boggler ever. But when we, in our viciousness, grow hard, O oh, misery aunt, the wise gods steal our eyes, and our own filth drop our clear judgments, make us adore our errors, Laugh at us, whilst we strut to our confusion. Oh, is it come to this? I found you as a morsel cold upon dead Caesar's trencher. Nay, you were a fragment of Gnaeus Pompey's. Besides, what hotter hours unregistered in vulgar frame you have luxuriously picked out. For I am sure, though you can guess what temperance should be, you know not what it is. Wherefore is this? To let a fellow that will take rewards and say, God, quit you, be familiar with my play, fellow, your hand. 
this kingly seal and plighter of high hearts, oh, that I were upon the hill of basin to outroar the horned herd, for I have savage cause, and to proclaim it civilly were like a haltered neck which does a hangman thank for being yar about him. Re-enter attendants with Therius. Is he whipped? Soundly, my lord. Cried he, and begged a pardon? He did ask favor. If that thy father live, let him repent thou wast not made his daughter. And be thou sorry to follow Caesar in his triumph, since thou hast been whipped for following him. Henceforth, the white hand of a lady fever thee. Shake thou to look on't. Get thee back to Caesar. Tell him thy entertainment. Look, thou say he makes me angry with him, for he seems proud and disdainful, harping on what I am, not what he knew I was. He makes me angry, and at this time most easy tis to do it, when my good stars that were my former guides have empty left their orbs and shot their fires into the abysm of hell. If he mislike my speech and what is done, Tell him he has Hipparchus, my enfranchised bondman, whom he may at pleasure whip, or hang, or torture, as he shall like to quit me. Urge it thou, hence with thy stripes be gone. Exit Therius. Have you done yet? Alack, our Tyrrhene moon is now eclipsed, and it portends alone the fall of Antony. I must stay his time. To flatter Caesar, would you mingle eyes with one that ties his points? Not know me yet? Cold-hearted toward me? Ah, dear. If I be so, from my cold heart let heaven engender hail and poison it in the source, and the first stone drop in my neck, as it determines so dissolve my life. The next Caesarian smite! Till by degrees the memory of my womb, together with my brave Egyptians all, by the discanding of this pelleted storm, lie graveless, till the flies and gnats of Nile have buried them for prey. I am satisfied. Caesar sets down in Alexandria where I will oppose his fate. Our force by land hath nobly held. Our severed navy, too, have knit again, and fleet threatening most sea-like. Where hast thou been, my heart? Dost thou hear, lady? If from the field I shall return once more to kiss these lips, I will appear in blood. I and my sword will earn our chronicle. There's hope in yet. That's my brave lord. I will be treble-sinewed, hearted, breathed, and fight maliciously. For when mine hours were nice and lucky, men did ransom lives of me for jests. But now I'll set my teeth and send to darkness all that stop me. Come, let's have one other gaudy night. Call to me all my sad captains, fill bulls once more, let's mock the midnight bell. It is my birthday. I had thought to have held it poor, but since my lord is Antony again, I will be Cleopatra. We will yet do well. Call all his noble captains to my lord. 
Do so. We'll speak to them. And tonight I'll force the wine peep through their scars. Come on, my queen. There's sappened yet. And next time I do fight, I'll make death love me. For I will contend even with his pestilent scythe. Exent Albadine and Barpus. Now he'll outstare the lightning. To be furious is to be frighted out of fear. And in that mood, the dove will peck the estridge. And I see still a diminution in our captain's brain. Restores his heart. When valor preys on reason, it eats the sword it fights with. I will seek some way to leave him. Exit. Act four, scene one. Before Alexandria, Octavius Caesar's camp. Enter Octavius Caesar, Agrippa, Messinus with his army. Octavius Caesar reading a letter. He calls me boy and chides as he had power to beat me out of Egypt. My messenger he hath whipped with rods. Dares me to personal combat, Caesar to Antony. Let the old ruffian know I have many other ways to die. Meantime, laugh at his challenge. Caesar must think. When one so great begins to rage, he's hunted even to falling. Give him no breath, but now make boot of his distraction. Never anger, make good, guard for itself. Well, let our best heads know that tomorrow, the last of many battles we mean to fight. Within our files there are, of those that served Mark Antony but late, enough to fetch him in. See it done. And feast the army. We have store to do it, and they have earned the waste. <laughs> Poor Antony. Exit. Scene two, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Mark Antony, Cleopatra, Enobarbus, Char Charmian, Iris, Alexis with others. He will not fight with me, Domitius. No. Why should he not? He thinks, being 20 times of better fortune, he is 20 men to one. Tomorrow, soldier, by sea and land, I'll fight, or I will live or bathe my dying honor, and the blood shall make it live again. Thou fight well. I'll strike and cry, take all. Well said. Come on. Call forth my household servants. Let's tonight be bounteous at our meal. Enter three or four servitors. Give me thy hand. Thou hast been rightly honest. So is thou, thou, and thou, and thou. You have served me well, and kings have been your fellows. What means this? It is one of those odd tricks which sorrow shoots out of the mind. And thou art honest, too. I wish I could be made so many men, and all of you clapped up together in an Antony that I might do you service so good as you have done. God's forbid. Well, my good fellows, wait on me tonight. Scant not my cups and make as much of me as when mine empire was your fellow too and suffered my command. What does he mean? To make his followers weep. Tend me tonight. Maybe it is the period of your duty. 
Happily, you shall not see me more. Or if a mangled shadow, perchance tomorrow you'll serve another master. I look on you as one that takes his leave. Mine honest friends, I turn you not away, but like a master married to your good service, stay till death. Tend me tonight two hours. I ask no more and the gods yield you for it. What means you, sir, to give them this discomfort? Look, they weep, and I, an ass, am onion-eyed for shame. Transform us not to women. <laughs> now the witch take me if I meant it thus. Grace grow where those drops fall. My hearty friends, you take me into dolorous a sense, for I spake to you for your comfort to desire you to burn this night with torches. No, my heart, I hope well of tomorrow, and will lead you where rather I expect victorious life than death and honor. Let's to supper, come, and drown consideration. Excellent. Scene three, the same, before the palace, enter two soldiers to their guard. Brother, good night. Tomorrow is the day. It will determine one way. Fare you well. Heard you have nothing strange about the streets. Nothing? What news? Belike tis but a rumor. Good night to you. Well, sir, good night. Enter two other soldiers. Soldiers, have careful watch. And you, good night. Good night. They place themselves in every corner of the stage. Here we, and if tomorrow our navy thrive, I have an absolute hope our landmen will stand up. Tis a brave army and full of purpose. Music of the hot boys is under the stage. Peace, what noise? List, list. Hark. Music in the air. Under the earth. It sounds well, does it not? No. Peace, I say. What should this mean? Tis the god Hercules, whom Antony loved, now leaves him. Mm, walk. Let's see if other watchmen do hear what we do. They advance to another post. How now, masters? Do you hear this? How now? How now? How now? How now? Hi. Tis not strange. Do you hear, masters? Do you hear? How's the noise so far as we have quarter? Let's see how it will give off. Content. 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 Is strange. 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 Exit. Scene four, the same, a room in the palace. Enter Mark Antony, Cleopatra, Charmian, and others attending. Eros, mine army, mine armor, Eros. And do arrows with armor. Are we on? <laughs> come. No, my Chuck. Arrows. Come, come. Mine armor, arrows. Come, good fellow. Put mine armor on. If fortune be ours today, it is because we brave her. Come. Nay, I'll help too. What's this for? Ah, let be. Let be. Thou art the armorer of my heart. False. False. This. 
This. Sooth, La, I'll help. Thus it must be. Well, well, we shall thrive now. See, thou, my good fellow, go put on thy defenses. Briefly, sir. Is it not buckled well? Rarely, rarely. He that unbuckles this till we do please to daft for our repose shall hear a storm. Thou fumblest arrows, and my queen's a squire more tight at this than thou. Dispatch. Oh, love, that thou couldst see my wars today and knewest the royal occupation, thou shouldst see a workman in it. Enter an armed soldier. Good morrow to thee. Welcome. Thou looks like him that knows a warlike charge. To business that we love, we rise but time and go to it with delight. A thousand, sir, early though it be. Have on their riveted trim, and at the port expect you. Shout, trumpets flourish, enter captains and soldiers. The morn is fair. Good morrow, general. It is well blown, lads, this morning, like the spirit of a youth that means to be of note begins betimes. So, so, come, give me that. This way. <laughs> well said. Fare thee well, dame. Whatever becomes of me, this is a soldier's kiss. Rebukable and worthy, shameful check it were to stand on more mechanic compliment. I'll leave thee now like a man of steel. You that will fight, follow me close. I'll bring you to it. Adieu. Exit Mark Antony, arrows, captains, and soldiers. Please you, retire to your chamber. Lead me. He goes forth gallantly. That he and Caesar might determine this great war in a single fight. Then Antony, but now, well, on. Exit. Scene five, Alexandria, Mark Antony's camp. T trumpet sound, enter Mark Antony and Eros, a soldier meeting them. Ha, the gods make this a happy day to Antony. Would thou and those thy scars had once prevailed to make me fight at land? Hadst thou done so, the kings that have revolted and the soldier that hath this morning left thee would have still followed thy heels. Who's gone this morning? Who? One ever near thee, call for Anobarbus, he shall not hear thee, or from Caesar's camp say, I am none of thine. What sayst thou? Sir, he is with Caesar. Sir, his chests and treasure he has not with him. Is he gone? Most certain. Go. Go. Eros, send his treasure after. Do it. Detain no jot, I charge thee. Write to him. I will subscribe. Gentle adieus and greetings. Say that I wish he never find more cause to change a master. Oh, my fortunes have corrupted honest men. Dispatch. Enobarbus. Exit. Scene six, Alexandria, Octavius Caesar's camp. <laughs> Octavius Caesar's camp. Flourish, enter Octavius Caesar, Agrippa, with Dominitas and Abarbus and others. Go forth, Agrippa, and begin the fight. Our will is Antony be took alive, make it known. 
Caesar, I shall. Exit. The time of universal peace is near. Prove this a prosperous day. The three-nooked world shall bear the olive freely. Enter a messenger. Antony is coming to the fields. Go charge Agrippa. Plant those that have... Go charge Agrippa. Plant those that have revolted in the van. That Antony may seem to spend his fury upon himself. Exempt all but Barbus. Alexis did revolt and went to Jewry on affairs of Antony. There did persuade great Herod to incline himself to Caesar and leave his master Antony. For this pains, Caesar hath hanged him. Canidius and the rest that fell away have entertainment, but no honorable trust. I have done ill, in which I do accuse myself so sorely that I will joy no more. Enter a soldier of Caesar's. Uh, in Obarbus, Antony hath after thee sent all thy treasure with his bounty overplus. The messenger came on my guard, and at thy tent is now unloading of his mules. I give it you. Mock not, Enobarbus. I tell you true. Best you saved the bringer out of the host. I must attend mine office, or would have done to myself. Your emperor continues still a joke. Exit. I am alone, the villain of the earth, and I feel I am so most. Oh, Antony, thou mine of bounty, how wouldst thou have paid my better service when my turpitude thou dost so crown with gold? This blows my heart. If swift thought break it not, a swifter mean shall outstrike thought, but thought will do it. I feel I fight against thee. No, I will go seek some ditch wherein to die. The foulest best fits my latter part of life. Exit. Scene seven, field of battle between the camps. Alarum, drums and trumpets, enter Agrippa and others. Retire, we have engaged ourselves too far. Caesar himself has work and our oppression exceeds what we expect. Exunt, alarms, enter Mark Antony and Scarus wounded. Oh, my brave emperor, this is fought indeed. Had we done so at first, we had driven them home with clouts above their heads. Thou bleeds to pace. I had a wound here that was like a T, but now it is made an H. They do retire. Now we'll beat him into bench holes. I have yet room for six scotches more, huh? They are beaten, sir, and our advantage serves for a fair victory. Let us score their backs and snatch him up as we take hairs behind. Tis sport to maul a runner. I will reward thee once for thy sprightly comfort and tenfold for thy good valor. Come thee on. <laughs> I'll, I'll halt after. Exunt. Scene eight, under the walls of Alexandria, Alarum, enter Mark Antony in a march, Scarus with others. We have beat him to his camp. Run one before and let the queen know of our jests. Tomorrow, before the shun shall see us, we'll spill the blood that has today escaped. I thank you all, for doughy-handed are you, and have fought not as you serve the cause, but as it been each man's like mine. 
You have shown all Hectors. Enter the city, clip your wives, your friends, tell them your feats, whilst they with joyful tears wash the congealment from your wounds and kiss the honored gashes whole. Give me thy hand. Enter Cleopatra attended. To this great fairy, I'll commend thy acts. Make her thanks bless thee. O thou, day of the world, chain mine armed neck. Leap thou, attire and all, through proof of harness to my heart, and there ride on the pants triumphing. Lord of lords, O infinite virtue, comest thou smiling from the world's great snare uncaught? My nightingale, we have beat them to their beds. What girl, though gray do something mingle with our younger brown, yet how we a brain that nourishes our nerves and can get goal for goal of youth. Behold this man, commend unto his lips thy favoring hand. Kiss it, my warrior. He hath fought today as if a god in hate of mankind and destroyed in such a shape. I'll give thee, friend, an armor all of gold. It was a king's. He hath deserved it, were it carbuncled like holy Phoebus' car. Give me thy hand. Through Alexandria make a jolly march. Bear our hacked targets like the men that owe them. Had our great palace the capacity to camp this host, we all would sup together and drink carouses to the next day's fate, which promises royal peril. Trumpeters, with brazen din, blast you the city's ear. Make mingle with rattling tambourines that heaven and earth may strike their sounds together, applauding our approach. Exeunt. Scene 9, Octavius Caesar's camp. Sentinels at their post. If we be not relieved within this hour, we must return to the court of guard. The night is shining, and they say we shall embattle by the second hour of the morn. This last day was a shrewd one to it. Enter Anabarbus. Oh, bear me witness, knight. What man is this? Stand close and list him. Be witness to me. Though blessed moon, when men revolted, shall upon record bear hateful memory. Poor Inobarbus did before thy face repent. Inobarbus? Peace. Hark, further. Sovereign mistress of true melancholy, the poisonous damp of night to sponge upon me. That life, the very rebel to my will, may hang no longer on me. Throw my heart against the flint and hardness of my fault, which being dried with grief will break to powder and finish all foul thoughts. Oh, Anthony, nobler than my revolt is infamous. Forgive me in thine own particular, but let the world break me and register a master lever and a fugitive. Oh, Anthony. Oh, Anthony. Dies. Let's speak to him. Let's hear him, for the things he speaks may concern Caesar. Let's do so. But he sleeps. He swoons, rather. So bad a prayer as his was never yet for sleep. Go we to him. Awake, sir. Awake. Speak to us. Hear you, sir. The hand of death hath wrought him. 
drums afar off. Hark, the drums. Demurely wake the sleepers. Let us bear him to the court of guard. He is of note. Our hour is fully out. Come on, then. He may recover yet. Exunt with the body. Scene ten between the two camps. Enter Mark Antony and Scarus with their army. Their preparation is today by sea. We please them not by land. For both, my lord. Aye, would they fight of the fire or i' the air? We'll fight there too. But this it is. Our foot upon the hills adjoining to the city shall stay with us. Order for sea is given. They have put forth the haven where, our, where their appointment we may best discover and look on their endeavor. Exunt. Scene 11, another part of the same. Enter Octavius Caesar and his army. But being charged, we will be still by land, which as I take it, we shall. For his best force is forth to man his galleys, to the vales, and hold our best advantage. Exunt. Scene 12, another part of the same. Enter Mark Antony and Scarus. Yet they are not joined. Where yon pine does stand, I shall discover all. I'll bring thee word straight how tis like to go. Exit. Swallows have built in Cleopatra's sails their nests. The augurers say they know not, they cannot tell. Look grimly and dare not speak their knowledge. Antony is valiant and dejected, and by starts his fretted fortunes give him hope and fear of what he has and has not. Alarm far off as at a sea fight. Re-enter Mark Antony. All is lost. This foul Egyptian hath betrayed me. My fleet hath yielded to the foe, and yonder they cast their caps up and carouse together like friends long lost. Triple turn whore. Tis thou hast sold me to this novice, and my heart makes only wars on thee. Bid them all fly, for when I am revenged upon my charm, I have done all. Bid them all fly, be gone. O oh, son, thy uprise shall I see no more. Fortune and Antony part here. Even do we shake hands. All come to this. The hearts that spanieled me at heels, to whom I gave their wishes, do discandy, melt their sweets on blossoming Caesar, and this pine is barked that overtopped them all. Betrayed I am. Oh, this false soul of Egypt, this grave charm, whose eye becked forth my wars and called them home, whose bosom was my crownet, my chief end, like a right gypsy hath at fast and loose beguiled me to the very heart of loss. What? Eros. Eros. Enter Cleopatra. Ah, thou spell of vaunt. Why is my lord enraged against his love? Vanish, or I shall give thee thy deserving and blemish Caesar's triumph. Let him take thee and hoist thee up to the shouting plebeians. Follow his chariot like the greatest spot of all thy sex, most monster-like. Be shown for poorest diminutives, for doits, and let patient Octavia plow thy visage up with her prepared nails. Exit Cleopatra. Tis well thou art gone, if it be well to live. 
But better twere thou fell'st into my fury, for one death might have prevented many. Eros, ho! Oh, the shirt of Nessus is upon me. Teach me, Alcides, thou mine ancestor, thy rage. Let thy lodge likest on the horns of the moon, and with those hands that grasp the heaviest club subdue my worthiest self, the which shall die. To the young Roman boy she hath sold me, and I fall under this plot. She dies for it. Eros, ho! Exit. Scene 13, Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, Iris, and Mardian. Help me, my women. Oh, he is more mad than Telamon for his shield. The boar of Thessaly was never so embossed. The monument. There lock yourself and send him word you are dead. The soul and body grieve not more in parting than greatness going off. To the monument. Mardian, go tell him I have slain myself. Say that the last I spoke was Antony, and word it, prithee, piteously. Hence, Mardian, and bring me how he takes my death. To the monument. Exit. Scene 14, the same, another room. Enter Mark Antony and Eros. Eros, thou yet beholdst me. I, noble lord. Sometimes we see a cloud that's dragonish. A vapor sometimes, like a bear or lion, a towered citadel, a pendant rock, a forked mountain or blue promontory with trees upon it, that nod unto the world and mock our eyes with air. Thou hast seen these signs. They are black vespers, pageants. Aye, my lord. That which now is a horse, even with a thought the rack dislimbs and makes it indistinct as water is in water. It does, my lord. My good knave, Eros, now thy captain is even such a body. Here I am, Antony, yet cannot hold this visible shape, my knave. I made these wars for Egypt, and the queen, whose heart I thought I had, for she had mine, which whilst it was mine had annexed unto it a million more now lost. She, Eros, has packed cards with Caesar, then false played my glory unto an enemy's triumph. Nay, weep not, gentle Eros. There is left us ourselves to end ourselves. Enter Mardian. Oh, thy vile lady. She has robbed me of my sword. No, Antony, my mistress loved thee, and her fortunes mingled with thine entirely. Hence, saucy eunuch, peace. She hath betrayed me and shall die the death. Death of one person can be paid but once, and that she has discharged. What thou wouldst do is done unto thy hand. The last she spake was, Antony, most noble Antony. Then in the midst, a tearing groan did break the name of Antony. It was divided between her heart and lips. She rendered life thy name so buried in her. Dead? Then 
dead. Unarm arrows. The long day's task is done and we must sleep. That thou departst hence safe does pay thy labor richly. Go. Exit Mardian. Off. Pluck off. The sevenfold shield of Ajax cannot keep the battery from my heart. Oh, cleave my sides. Heart, once be stronger than I. Continent, crack thy frail case. A pace, Eros, a pace. No more a soldier. Bruised pieces, go. You have been nobly born from me a while. Exit, Eros. I will o'ertake thee, Cleopatra, and weep for my pardon. So it must be. For now all length of torture, since the torch is out, lie down and stray no farther. Now all labor mars what it does. Yea, the very force entangles itself with strength. Seal then, and all is done. Eros, I come, my queen. Eros, stay for me. Where souls do couch on flowers, we'll hand in hand, and with our sprightly port make the ghosts gaze. Dido and her Aeneas shall want troops, and all the haunt be ours. Come, Eros. Eros. Re-enter Eros. What would, my lord? Since Cleopatra died, I have lived in such dishonor that the gods detest my baseness. I, that with my sword quartered the world, and o'er green Neptune's back with ships made cities, condemn myself to lack the courage of a woman, less noble mind than she which by her death our Caesar tells I am conqueror of myself. Thou art sworn, Eros, that when the exigent should come, which now is come indeed, when I should see behind me the inevitable prosecution of disgrace and horror that on my command, then thou wouldst kill me. Do it. The time is come. Thou strikest not me. Tis Caesar thou defeatst. Put color in thy cheek. The gods withhold me. Shall I do that which all the Parthian darts, though enemy lost aim and could not? Eros, wouldst thou be windowed in great Rome and see thy master thus with pleached arms, bending down his corrigible neck, his face subdued to penetrative shame, whilst the wheeled seat of fortunate Caesar drawn before him branded his baseness that ensued? I would not see it. Come then, for with a wound I must be cured. Draw that thy honest sword, which thou hast worn most useful for thy country. Oh, sir, pardon me. When I did make thee free, swore'st thou not then to do this? When I bade thee, do it at once. For thy precedent services are all but accidents unpurposed. Draw and come. Turn from me then that noble countenance, wherein the worship of the whole world lies. Lo thee. 
My sword is drawn. Then let it do at once the thing why thou hast drawn. My dear master, my captain and my emperor, let me say before I strike this bloody stroke, farewell. Tis said, man, and farewell. Farewell, great chief. Shall I strike now? Now, Eros. Why there then, thus I do escape the sorrow of Antony's death. Kills himself. Thrice nobler than myself. Thou teachest me, O valiant Eros, what I should, and thou couldst not. My queen and Eros have by their brave instructions got upon me a nobleness in record. But I will be a bridegroom in my death, and run into it as to a lover's bed. Come then, and Eros, thy master dies, thy scholar, to do thus. Falling on his sword. I learned of thee how not dead, not dead, the guard, ho, ho, dispatch me. Enter Dersetus and guard. What the noise? I have done my work ill, friends. Oh, make an end of what I have begun. The star is fallen. And time is at his period. Alas, alas, and woe. Him that loves me, strike me dead. Oh, not I. <laughs> Nor I. Nor anyone. Exit guard. Thy death and fortunes bid thy followers fly. This sword, but shown to Caesar, with this tidings shall enter me with him. Enter Diomedes. Where's Antony? There, Diomede, there. Lives he? Wilt thou not answer, man? Exit Dersitus. Art thou there, Diomed? Draw thy sword and give me sufficing stroke for death. My absolute lord, my mistress Cleopatra sent me to thee. When did she send thee? Now, my lord. Where is she? Locked in her monument. She had a prophesying fear of what might, what hath come to pass. From when she saw, which now never shall be found, you did suspect she had disposed with Caesar and that your rage would not be purged. She sent you word that she was dead, but fearing since how it might work, hath sent me to proclaim the truth. And I am come. I dread too late. Too late, good Diomed. Call my guard, I prithee. What ho, the emperor's guard. The guard, what ho, come, your lord calls. Enter four or five of the guard of Mark Antony. Bear me, good friends, where Cleopatra dies, bides. Tis the last service that I shall command you. Whoa, whoa are we, sir. You may not live to wear all your true followers out. Nay, good my fellows, do not please sharp fate to grace it with your sorrows. Bid that welcome which comes to punish us, and we punish it, seeming to bear it lightly. Take me up. I have led you oft. Carry me now, good friends, and have my thanks for all. Exunt, bearing Mark Antony. 
Scene 15, the same, a monument. Enter Cleopatra with her maids aloft with Charmian and Eris. Oh, Charmian, I will never go from hence. Be comforted, dear madam. No, I will not. All strange and terrible events are welcome, but comforts we despise. Our size of sorrow proportioned to our cause must be as great as that which makes it. Enter below, Diomedes. How now? Is he dead? His death's upon him, but not dead. Look out of the other side of your monument, other side your monument. His guard have brought him thither. Enter below, Mark Antony, borne by the guard. Oh, son, burn the great sphere thou movest in. Darkling stand the varying shore of the world. Oh, Antony, Antony, Antony. Help, Charmian, help, Iris, help. Help, friends below, let's draw him hither. Peace, not Caesar's valor hath overthrown Antony, but Antony's hath triumphed on itself. So it should be that none but Antony should conquer Antony. But woe tis so. I am dying, Egypt, dying. Only I hear importune death a while and tell of many thousand kisses. The poor last I lay upon thy lips. I dare not, dear. Dear my lord, pardon. I dare not, lest I be taken. Not the imperious show of the full-fortuned Caesar ever shall be broached with me. If knife, drugs, serpents have edge, sting, or operation, I am safe. Your wife Octavia, with her modest eyes and still conclusion, shall acquire no honor demurring upon me. But come, come, Antony, help me, my women. We must draw him up. Assist, good friends. Oh, quick, or I am gone. Here's sport indeed. How heavy weighs my lord. Our strength is all gone into heaviness that makes the weight. Had I great Juno's power, the strong-winged Mercury should fetch thee up and set thee by Jove's side. Yet come a little. Wishes were ever fools. Oh, come, come, come. They heave Mark Antony aloft to Cleopatra. And welcome, welcome. Die where thou hast lived. Quicken with kissing. Had my lips that power, thus would I wear them out. Heavy sight. I am dying, Egypt, dying. Give me some wine and let me speak a little. No, let me speak. And let me rail so high that the false housewife fortune break her wheel, provoked by my offense. One word, sweet queen. Of Caesar, seek your honor with your safety. Oh, They do not go together. Gentle, hear me. None about Caesar trust but Proculius. My resolution and my hands I'll trust, none about Caesar. The miserable change now at my end lament nor sorrow at, but please your thoughts in feeding them with those my former fortunes wherein I lived, the greatest prince of the world, the noblest and do now not basely die, nor cowardly put off my helmet to my countrymen. A Roman, by a Roman, valiantly vanquished. Now my spirit is going. I can no more. Noblest of men, 
Wilt thou die? Hast thou no care of me? Shall I abide in this dull world, which in thy absence is no better than a sty? Oh, see, my women. Mark Antony dies. The crown of the earth doth melt. My lord. Withered is the garland of the war. The soldier's pole is fallen. Young boys and girls are level now with men. The odds is gone, and there is nothing left remarkable beneath the visiting moon. Thanks. Oh, quietness. Lady. She is dead too, our sovereign. Lady. Madam. Oh, madam. 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 Royal Egypt, Empress. Peace. Peace, Iris. No more, but even a woman, and commanded by such poor passion as the maid that milks and does the meanest chairs. It were for me to throw my scepter at the injurious gods, to tell them that this world did equal theirs till they had stolen our jewel. All's but not. Patience is Scottish, and impatience does become a dog that's mad. Then is it sin? to rush into the secret house of death, ere death dare come to us? How do you now, women? What? What? Good cheer. Why, how now, Charmian, my noble girls? Ah, women. Women, look, our lamp is spent. It's out. Good sirs, take heart. We'll bury him, and then what's brave, what's noble, let's do it after the high Roman fashion and make death proud to take us. Come away. This case of that huge spirit now is cold. Ah, oh, women, women, come. We have no friend but resolution and the briefest end. Excellent. Those above bearing Mark, Mark Antony's body. Act 5, okay. scene 1, Alexandria, Octavius Caesar's camp, enter Octavius Caesar, Agrippa, Dolabella, Messinus, Gallus, Proculius, and others, his council of war. Go to him, Dolabella, bid him yield. Being so frustrate, tell him he mocks the pauses that he makes. Caesar, I shall. Exit. Enter Dersetus with the sword of Mark Antony. Wherefore is that? And what art thou that darest appear thus to us? I am called Dersitas. Mark Antony I served, who best was worthy best to be served. Whilst he stood up and spoke, he was my master, and I wore my life to spend upon his haters. If thou please to take me to thee, as I was to him, I'll be to Caesar. If thou pleasest not, I yield up my life. What is thou sayest? I say, O Caesar, Antony is dead. The breaking of so great a thing should make a greater crack. The round world should have shook lions into civil streets and citizens into their dens. The death of Antony is not a single doom. In the name lay a moiety of the world. He is dead, Caesar. Not by a public minister of justice, nor by a hired knife, 
But that self-hand which writ his honor in the acts it did hath with the courage which the heart did lend it splitted the heart. This is his sword. I robbed his wound of it. Behold it, stained with his most noble blood. Look you sad, friends. The gods rebuke me, but it is tidings to wash the eyes of kings. Strange it is that nature must compel us to lament our most persistent deeds. Stance and honors we is equal with him. A rarer spirit never did steer humanity. But who gods will give us some faults to make us men? Caesar is touched. When such a spacious mirror is set before him, he needs must see himself. Oh, Antony, I have followed thee to this. But we do lance diseases in our bodies. I must perforce have shown to thee such a declining day or look on thine. We could not stall together in the whole world but yet let me lament, with tears as sovereign as the blood of hearts, that thou, my brother, my competitor, in top of all design, my mate in empire, friend and companion in the front of war, the arm of mine own body, and the heart where mine his thoughts did kindle, that our stars unreconcilable should divide our equalness to this. Hear me, good friends, but I will tell you at some meter reason and season. Enter an Egyptian. The business of this man looks out of him. We'll hear him what he says. Whence are you? A poor Egyptian yet. The queen my mistress can find in all she has, her monument of thy intense desires instruction that she preparedly may frame herself to the way she's forced to. Bid her have good heart. She soon shall know of us, by some of ours, how honorable and how kindly we determine for her. For Caesar cannot live to be ungentle. So the gods preserve thee. Exit. Come hither, Proculeus. Go and say, we purpose her no shame. Give her what comforts the quality of her passion shall require, lest in her greatness by some mortal stroke she do defeat us. For her life in Rome would be eternal in our triumph. Go, and with your speediest bring us what she says, and how you find her. Caesar, I shall. Exit. Gallus, go you... Gallus, go you along. Exit Gallus. Where's Dolabella to second Proculeus? Dolabella! Dolabella! Let him alone, let him alone, for I remember now how he's employed. He shall in time be ready. Go with me to my tent, where you shall see how hardly, how hardly I was drawn into this war. How calm and gentle I proceeded still in all my writings. Go with me and see what I can show in this. 
Exempt. Scene two, Alexandria, a room in the monument. Enter Cleopatra, Charmian, and Iris. My desolation does begin to make a better life. Tis paltry to be Caesar, not being fortune. He's but fortune's knave, a minister of her will. And it is great to do that thing that ends all other deeds, which shackles accidents and bolts up change, which sleeps and never pallets more the dug, the beggar's nurse, and Caesar's. Enter to the gates of the monument, Berculius, Gallus, and soldiers. Caesar sends greeting to the queen of Egypt and bids thee study on what fair demands thou meanest to have him grant thee. What's thy name? My name is Procleus. Antony did tell me of you, bade me trust you, but I do not greatly care to be deceived that have no use for trusting. If your master would have a queen his beggar, you must tell him that majesty to keep decorum must no less beg than a kingdom. If he please to give me conquered Egypt for my son, he gives me so much of mine own as I will kneel to him with thanks. Be of good cheer. You're fallen into a princely hand, fear nothing. Make your full reference freely to my lord, who is so full of grace that it flows over onto all that need. Let me report to him your sweet despondency and you shall find a conqueror that will pray and aid for kindness where he for grace is kneeled to. Pray you, tell him I am fortune's vassal, and I send him the greatness he has got. I hourly learn a doctrine of obedience and would gladly look him in the face. This I'll report, dear lady. Have comfort, for I know your plight is pitied of him that caused it. You see how easily she may be surprised. Here Proculeus and two of the guards ascend the monument by a ladder placed against a window, and having descended, come behind Cleopatra. Some of the guard unbar and open the gates. To Proculeus and the guard. Guard her till Caesar, till Caesar come. Exit. Royal Queen. Oh, Cleopatra, thou art taken, Queen. Quick, quick, good hands. Drawing a dagger. Hold, worthy lady, hold. Pieces and disarms her. Do not yourself such wrong, who are in this relieved, but not betrayed. What, of death, too, that rids our dogs of languish? Cleopatra, do not abuse my master's bounty by the undoing of yourself. Let the world see his nobleness well acted, which your death will never let come forth. Where art thou, death? Come hither, come, 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 and take a queen worthy many babes and beggars. Oh, temperance, lady. Sir, I will eat no meat. I'll not drink, sir. If idle talk will once be necessary, I'll not sleep neither. This mortal house I'll ruin. Do Caesar what he can. No, sir, that I will not wait pinioned at your master's court, nor once be chastised with the sober eye of dull Octavia. Shall they hoist me up and show me to the shouting varletry of censuring Rome? 
rather a ditch in Egypt be gentle grave unto me. Rather on Nihilus mud lay me stark naked and let the waterflies blow me into arboring. Rather make my country's high pyramids my gibbet and hang me up in chains. You do extend these thoughts of horror further than you shall. Find cause in Caesar. Enter Dolabella. Oculeus, what thou hast done, thy master Caesar knows, and he hath sent for thee. For the queen, I'll take her to my guard. So, Dolabea, it shall contend me best. Be gentle to her. To Caesar, I will speak what you shall please, if you'll employ me to him. Say I would die. Exit Proculeus and Caesar. So. Most noble empress, you have heard of me? I cannot tell. Assuredly, you know me. No matter, sir, what I have heard or known. You laugh when boys or women tell their dreams. Is that not your trick? I understand not, madam. I dreamed there was an emperor, Antony. Oh, such another sleep that I might see but such another man. If it might please ye. His face was as the heavens, and therein stuck a sun and moon, which kept their course and lighted a little o the earth. Most sovereign creature. His legs bestrid the ocean. His reared arm crested the world. His voice was property as all the tuned spheres, and to that and that to friends. But when he meant to quail and shake the orb, he was as rattling thunder. For his bounty, there was no winter in it. An autumn t'was that grew the more by reaping. His delights were dolphin-like. They showed his back above the element they lived in. In his livery walked crowns and crownets. Realms and islands were as plates dropped from his pocket. Cleopatra! Think you there was or might be such a man as this I dreamed of? Gentle madam, no. You lie, up to the hearing of the gods. But if there be, or ever were one such, it's past the size of dreaming. Nature wants stuff to vie strange forms with fancy, yet to imagine an Antony were nature's peace against fancy, condemning shadows quite. Hear me, good madam. Your loss is as yourself. Great and you bear it as answering to the weight. Would I might never o'ertake pursued success, but I do feel by the rebound of yours a grief that smiles my very heart at root. I thank you, sir. Know you what Caesar means to do with me? I am loath to tell you what I would you knew. Nay, pray you, sir. He'll lead me, then, in triumph. Madam, he will. I know it. Flourish and shouts within. Make way there, Octavius Caesar. Enter Octavius Caesar, Gallus, Proculius, Messenus, Seleucus, and others of his train. Which is the queen of Egypt? It is the emperor, madam. Cleopatra kneels. Arise, you shall not kneel. I pray you rise. Rise, Egypt. Sir, the gods will have it thus. My master and my lord, I must obey. Take you, take to you no hard thoughts. 
the record of what injuries you did us, though written in our flesh, we shall remember as things but done by chance. Soul, sir of the world, I cannot project mine own cause so well to make it clear, but I do confess I have been laden with like frailties which before have often shamed my sex. Cleopatra, no. We will extenuate rather than enforce. If you apply yourself to our intents, which towards you are most gentle, you shall find a benefit in this change. But if you seek to lay on me a cruelty by taking Antony's course, you shall bereave yourself of my good purposes and put your children to what to that destruction which I'll, gu I'll guard them from, if thereon you rely. I'll take my leave. And may through all the world, tis yours, and we, your scutcheons and your signs of conquest, shall hang in what place you please. Here, my good lord. You shall advise me in all for Cleopatra. This is the brief of money, plate, and jewels I am possessed of. Tis exactly valued, not petty things admitted. Where's Seleucus? Where is Seleucus? Muted? Seleucus? No. Here, madam. This is my treasurer. Let him speak, my lord, upon his peril that I have reserved to myself nothing. Speak the truth, Seleucus. Madam, I had rather seal my lips than to my peril speak that which is not. What have I kept back? Enough to purchase what you have made known. Nay, blush not, Cleopatra. I approve your wisdom in the deed. See, Caesar, oh, behold how pomp is followed. Mine will now be yours, and should we shift estates, yours would be mine. The ingratitude of this Seleucus does even make me wild. Oh, slave, of no more trust than love that's hired, what, goest thou back? Thou shalt go back, I warrant thee, but I'll catch thine eyes, though they had wings. Slave, soulless, villain, dog. Oh, rarely base. Good queen, let us entreat you. Oh, Caesar, what a wounding shame is this, that thou vouchsafing here to visit me, doing the honor of thy lordliness to one so meek, that mine own servant should parcel the sum of my disgraces by addition of his envy. Say... Good Caesar, that I some lady trifles have reserved. Eminent toys, things of such dignity as we greet modern friends withal. And say some nobler token I have kept apart for Livia and Octavia to induce their meditation. Must I be unfolded with one that I have bred? The gods, it smites me beneath the fall I have. Prithee, go hence or I shall show the cinders of my spirit through the ashes of my chance. Wert thou a man, thou wouldst have mercy on me. Forbear, Seleucus. Exit, Seleucus. Be it known that we, the greatest, are misthought for things that others do. And when we fall, we answer others' merits in our name, and therefore to be pitied. Cleopatra, 
not what you have reserved, nor what acknowledged, put we in the role of conquest. Still be it yours, bestow it at your pleasure, and believe Caesar's no merchant to make prize with you of things that merchants sold. Therefore be cheered. Make not your thoughts your prisons, no, dear queen, for we intend so to dispose you as yourself shall give us counsel. Feed and sleep. Our care and pity is so much upon you that we remain your friend. And so, adieu. My master and my lord. Not so. Adieu. Flourish, exunt Octavius Caesar in his train. He words me, girls, he words me, that I should not be noble to myself. But hark thee, Charmian, whispers to Charmian. Finish, good lady, the bright day is done, and we are for the dark. Hie thee again. I have spoke already, and it is provided. Go put it to the haste. Madam, I will. Re-enter Dolabella. Where is the queen? Behold, sir. Exit. Dolabella! Madam, as thereto sworn by your command, which my love makes religion to obey, I tell you this. Caesar through Syria intends his journey, and within three days, you with your children will he send before, make your best use of this. I have performed your pleasure and my promise. Dolabella, I shall remain your debtor. I your servant. Adieu, good queen. I must attend on Caesar. Farewell, and thanks. Thanks at Dolabella. Now, Iris, what thinkest thou? Thou, an Egyptian puppet, shalt be shown in Rome, as well as I, mechanic slaves with greasy aprons, rules, and hammers, shall uplift us to the view? In their thick breaths, rank of gross diet shall be enclouded and forced to drink their vapor. The gods forbid. Nay, tis most certain, Iris. Saucy lictors will catch at us like strumpets, and scald rhymers ballad us out of tune. The quick comedians extemporally will stage us and present our Alexandrian revels. Antony shall be brought drunken forth, and I shall see some squeaking Cleopatra boy my greatness in the posture of a whore. Oh, the good gods. Nay, that's certain. I'll never see it, for I am sure my nails are stronger than mine eyes. Why, that's the way to fool their preparation and to conquer their most absurd intents. Re-enter Charmian. Now, Charmian, show me my women like a queen. Go fetch my best attires. I am again for Sidness to meet Mark Antony. Sira Iris, go. Now, noble Charmian, we'll dispatch indeed. And when thou hast done this chair, I'll give thee leave to play till doomsday. Bring our crown and all. Wherefore is this noise? Exit Iris, a noise within. Enter a guardsman. Here is a rural fellow that will not be denied your highness prince. Highness presence. He brings you figs. Let him come in. Exit guardsman. What poor an instrument may do a noble deed. He brings me liberty. My resolution's placed, and I have nothing of woman in me. 
Now from head to foot, I am marble constant. Now the fleeting moon, no planet is of mine. Re-enter guardsman with clown, bringing in a basket. This is the man. Avoid and leave him. Exit guardsman. Hast thou the pretty worm of Nihilus there that kills and pains not? Truly I have him, but I would not be the party that should desire you to touch him, for his biting is immortal. Those that do die of it do seldom or never recover. Rememberest thou any that have died on it? Oh, very many men, and women too. I heard of one of them no longer than yesterday. A very honest woman, but something given to lie, as a woman should not do, but in the way of honesty. How she died of the biting of it. What pain she felt. Truly, she makes a very good report of the worm. But he that will believe all that they say shall never be saved by half that they do. But this is most fallible. The worm's an, an odd worm. Get thee hence. Farewell. I wish you all the joy from the worm. Exit. Re-enter Iris with the robe, crown, and company. Oh. No. Wait. Farewell. Uh, I wish you all joy of the worm. You must think this, look you, the worm will do his kind. Aye, aye, farewell. Look you, the worm is not to be trusted, but in the keeping of wise people, for indeed there is no goodness in the worm. Take thou no care, it shall be heeded. Very good, give it nothing, I pray you, for it is not worth the feeding. Will it eat me? You must not think I am so simple, but I know the devil himself will not eat a woman. I know that a woman is a dish for the gods, if the devil dress her not. But truly, the same horse and devils do gods great harm in their women. For in every ten that they make, the devils mar five. Well, get thee gone. Farewell. Yes, forsooth. I wish you joy, or the worm. Now he exits. Re-enter Iris with the robe, crown, and company. Give me my robe. Put on my crown. I have immortal longings in me. Now no more the juice of Egypt's grape shall moist this lip. Yar! Yar! Good Iris! Quick! Methinks I hear Antony call. I see him rouse himself to praise my noble act. I hear him mock the luck of Caesar, which the gods give men to excuse their after-wrath. Husband, I come! Now to that name my courage prove my title. I am fire and air. My other elements I give to baser life. So, have you done? Come then, and take the last warmth of my lips. Farewell, kind Charmian. Iris, long farewell. Kisses them. Iris falls and dies. Have I the aspic in my lips? Dost fall? If thou and nature can so gently part, the stroke of death is as a lover's pinch, which hurts and is desired. Dost thou lie still? If thus thou vanishest, thou tellst the world it is not worth the leave-taking. Dissolve. Thick cloud and rain, what I may say, the gods themselves do weep. This proves me base. If she first meet the curl at Antony, he'll make demand of her and spend that kiss which is my heaven to have. Come, thou mortal wretch. To an asp which she applies to her breast. With thy sharp teeth this knot intrinsicate of life at once untie. 
Poor venomous fool, be angry and dispatch. Oh, couldst thou speak that I might hear thee call great Caesar ass unpolicied? Oh, eastern star. Peace, peace. Dost thou not see my baby at my breast that sucks the nurse asleep? Oh, break. Oh, break. As sweet as balm, as soft as air, as gentle. Oh, Antony. Nay, I will take thee too. Applying another asp to her arm. What, should I stay? Dies. In this vile world? So, fare thee well. Now boast thee, death, in my possession lies, alas, unparalleled. Downy windows, close, and golden Phoebus never be beheld of eyes again so royal. Your crown's awry. I'll mend it. And then play. Enter the guard, rushing in. Where is the queen? Speak softly. Wake her not. Caesar, Caesar hath sent. Slow, a messenger. Flies an asp. Oh, come, apace, dispatch. I partly feel thee. Approach, ho! All's not well. Caesar's beguiled. There's Dolabella sent from Caesar. Call him. What work is here? Charmian, is this well done? It is well done. And fitting for a princess descended of so many royal kings. Huh. Soldier. Guys, re-enter Dolabella. How goes it here? All dead. Caesar, thy thoughts touch their effects in this. Thyself art coming to see perform the dreaded act which thou so soughtest to hinder. Within, away there, away for Caesar. Re-enter Octavius Caesar and all his train marching. Oh, sir, you are too sure an augurer that you did fear is done. Bravest at the last. She leveled at our purposes. <clears throat> and being royal, took her own way. The manner of their deaths, I do not see them bleed. Who was last with them? A simple countryman that brought her figs. This was his basket. Poisoned, then. O oh, Caesar, the Charmian lived but now. She stood and spake. I found her trimming up the diadem on her dead mistress. Tremblingly she stood, and then on the sudden dropped. Oh, noble weakness. If they had swallowed poisons, it would appear by external swelling. But she looks like sleep, as she would catch another Antony in her strong toil of grace. Here, on her breast, there is a vent of blood and something blown. The like is on her arm. This is an aspic's trail, and these fig leaves have slime upon them, such as the aspic leaves upon the caves of Nile. Most probable that so she died. For her physician tells me she hath pursued conclusions infinite of ways to die. Take up her bed and bear her women from the monument. She shall be buried by her Antony. No grave upon the earth shall clip in it a pair so famous. 
High events as these strike those that make them, and their story is no less in pity than his glory which brought them to be lamented. Our army shall, in solemn show, attend this funeral, and then to Rome. Come, Dolabella, see high order in this great solemnity. <laughs> 